All right, enough weirdness aside, and how's peaking? Enough weirdness aside, this is episode 143 of Creative Writing. Uh, he's co-host, Mr. Chris, Mr. Wiggins, and I am uh, your vengeful host. I, I don't know what to call myself. Uh, I'm, I'm in a weird mood tonight, man. I got to tell you, I... I got woken up at three in the morning by some crazy coyotes right on our street somewhere. Huh? I don't know what they got, but that's you know, pretty far off the hill too. Yeah, that's what. It, that's what. Like they, they don't normally come down this far, but there is a wash that goes. Yeah. All the way, you know, yeah, yeah. so they f- sometimes follow the wash. What I heard. And there's train tracks close to. Yeah, that's... there's train tracks real close by, and uh, and that's the next thing I heard. Actually, was after the coyotes was the train, like boop boop. And I was like, yeah, I haven't heard that in a long time. But, dude, what the hell? And so it was like three, maybe even before three in the morning, freaking coyotes wake me up. And they're going nuts. And my dog, like, sits up and looks out the window and then just looks back like, nah, I'm good. I'm good, fam. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then I was up. I couldn't go back to sleep after that. And then my neck was hurting. And I don't know if it's because the way I was laying or what, but all day long I've had this weird, like, tingling in the back of my spine. Up into my like my whole scalp is tingling, so I haven't been a very happy camper today. But uh, sounds I'll, painful. Yeah, I don't know what the hell. What's going on? The only thing that's bringing me joy is doing this episode tonight. So welcome to episode <laughs> one forty three. Um, I'm not usually one to talk about beers, but we got this crazy. Uh, I don't know what to call them. They're my, pine. Yours is a mango. This one's a pineapple beer from Golden Road, yeah, and they have. Little- yeah, they have all sorts of other fruit in them, and my son saw those, and we have we drink a lot of sparkling water, like my wife loves sparkling water, and he's like, oh, can I have one of those beach sparkling waters? <laughs> I was like, no, because they were in the fridge next to the regulars that are all brightly colored. Yeah. And these are like kind of pastel-y colored beer cans. You, you don't normally see that, so uh, no, you may not drink those ones. Don't drink those ones. So It's kind of a weird concept. Like I feel like they're trying to take over like the like light, shitty beer market Yeah, with like something you can go drink on the beach. Ah, uh, there you go. But Except for that you can't take a can on the beach, right? You can't take a glass on the beach. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, and you know, Goes is a real sort of beer that is usually brewed with like a fruit instead in it like uh but usually it's like watermelon or citrusy and i think that they were like they don't call these goes style beers but they definitely are they're kind of fruity and acidy you know what i'm saying like they're interesting say yeah, the they're interesting mm. so tonight on the roster i got a bunch of random random ass notes um we got some cool stuff to talk about i do want to make a correction Right at when I was proof, when I was proofing when I was uh, proof listening to last week's episode, I realized that uh, we were saying that the CVOs were one fourteens. Yeah, I think they bumped them up to one fourteens. They're one seventeens, three cc's. I know it's a huge difference, but three cis, uh, three cubic inch. That's right. Yeah. Oh my god! Now, now listen to me. Three cc's, three cis, which so is a lot, many cc's. Yeah. I don't know. So I didn't I want to keep up. I didn't want anybody to get butt hurt. You know, I was actually really bummed when they went to the milwaukee eight that they went bigger than the twin cam yeah i wish they would have like shrunk them back down yeah because it seems like their deal to like every couple years we'll just bump them up a few cc's bump them up. and it's like with a v-twin eventually you're just gonna run out like yeah and well like, and, and like, you and i talked about that how they <clears> could have bumped them down 
and then made some improvements to some other things and still gotten the same I horsepower. Think, I think the problem with making improvements to other things with them right now is emissions. Like to make the EPA happy, they're choked up in the fuel injection, they're choked up in the exhaust, and now like they're even choked up in the cams. Um, and that's like being an issue. Like, but I just like what in. 20 years it's going to be like oh the new cvo 175 <laughs> dude. i'm like damn dude like a six liter six yeah like liter how many twins. how many cc's is that it's up it's real close to 2000 now isn't it oh it's getting up there like 117 is uh it, it might be 19 my 96 was 15 something yeah so yeah i want to say it's like at 1900 like yeah. you're almost a thousand cc's per cylinder already damn yeah. that's a friggin' thumper like that'd be a hell of a like that's a large cylinder yeah a very large board stroke yeah <laughs> so yeah that, that is huge like that makes me rethink the uh what's it called the um and i mean with the milwaukee eight with the four valve you're gonna breathe better anyway so you don't need the cubic inch like i feel like you could have shrunk them a little i think yeah i think a lot of because where does that line get drawn like when do you stop just making it bigger yeah well and a coworker of mine were talking today because he just he just was talking about the bmw's bumping and i was like well yeah they they announced they were going to be the 12 the 1250 gs mm-hmm. for, and they've already bumped the um well depending on the market from what i've seen i i have a book that has the, the and an announcement that said that this year they were going to have the f700s were going to be f750s and the f800s would be 850s yeah. apparently according to the canadian websites they're already selling them like that and the u.s website doesn't have them like that yet at least when i first looked they did and then they didn't have it and so i think they changed their mind but, but if you think about it too like with emissions they do that to a lot of vehicles like i know that the newer version of my trucks like mine's a 5.9 and they went to a 6.7 or something like that and it puts out the same amount of power because it's so choked up for emissions yeah it also gets way way worse gas mileage but it burns cleaner which to me there's some math missing in there like if I can drive 20 miles on a gallon of gas and the new one drives 15 miles on a gallon of gas, then, like, you're using more, you're burning more of that nasty shit, which means somewhere you're outputting more nasty shit. Yeah. There's, like, yeah, there's somewhere over but the But with the, the diesel map. exhaust fluid that you have to fill up, too, it's supposedly clean stuff and scrub stuff, but that's more oily stuff that you're putting in the yeah. vehicle and burning. And that's so. only on Ram. I mean, that's only, like, on Dodge, right? I mean, No, no, it's all diesels from 2012 I or something like that. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Ford, Chevys, Dodge, semis. Yeah. My, my thing is that, like, we, uh, I kind of got into a, a tiny micro discussion with him about basically you know multi the the, the multi strata bumped up to 1260 this year ktms are all like going to 1290 like they have a whole 1290 range where they yeah. where it used to be 1190 if i'm not mistaken yeah because right? the new 12 the new super dukes at 1290 yeah but what i what i like about them doing a range is like it's going to be the same motor and everything same with ducati and, and harley i mean does the same thing too for the most part actually i'm not like going to say that. it kind of like the scramblers and the scramblers well 62. what harley used to do with the twin cam that i absolutely hated was the bagger and the dyna had the same motor and the same 
I, the transmission, I think, was actually different because the primary was shorter in a bagger, but then the soft tail actually had a totally different motor. So you've got three different bikes with three different motors, although to the naked eye and to the to most people, they're all identical motors. So why are you going to take one motor and make it different? <laughs> like, I'm sure there was some engineering reason, but um, I'm going to call that that was a dumb reason. <laughs> So, uh, and, but I'm not sure about the new soft tails and the new baggers with the M8s, if that's the same case. Um, I know, I'm pretty sure in the bagger they rigid mounted the motor and counterbalanced it, and the, or oh, yeah. whatever they did, and then kept the soft tail was counterbalanced before. I don't know if they still did a counter. They did a counterbalancer, but it's different. It's like in the crank now, instead of like a separate balancer in front of the motor. Yeah. It's like a real... It's actually pretty cool. It like sweeps into the center of the crank yeah. when the rod's on the other side. Yeah. It's actually pretty neat, but I, I'm not going to say that the soft tail and the bagger have different motors now. I think they might be the same, other than the different sizes, obviously. But yeah, with the twin cam, it was like the bagger and dyno were rubber mounted. Um, so the bagger motor and the dyno motor excuse me, were the same, but the primary on the bagger was shorter, so that wasn't interchangeable with the Dyna. So then the tranny, because it mounts directly to the motor, was different somehow, so it wouldn't transfer to a Dyna. Yeah. But then the soft tail was all again different yeah. and had a counterbalancer. And it's like, dude, you have one motor going down three different assembly lines. Yeah. I'm like, uh, and you, and, uh, and then you're trying to worry about slimming down manufacturing. It's like, who made that call? <laughs> and so. It is funny. I would always look at the... Uh, I would always look at the pages and see how weird it was where you have, yeah, the trannies basically have like the same, it looked like the same dimension, but the bolt patterns were a little different. And one yeah. had like a weird gasket because of some uh, fluid, like a sump or something, yeah. like the sump was different. And it's like, man, then that bolts up to the same motor though, on a different bike. The gear ratios may have been different in a bagger. Cause they're, yeah, because they had the cruise glide of, or whatever. Yeah, but my Dyna's got a six-speed that's an overdrive. So, I mean, and not only that, like, I don't know. That's You can change the gear ratios without making a different primary and different transmission. Yeah. Oh, so. You mean by putting different size gears? Like, <laughs> like an 883 yeah. and 1200 Sporty trannies are different. Mind blown. Right. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Yeah. That's that's true. And uh, I don't know. There's a lot of different things that you could do to overcome um, all sorts of different, all sorts of different, like mechanical, whatever you're trying to do, whether it's efficiency or better cruise speed and this and that, instead of bumping up to another friggin' hundred cc. Well, and I'm actually, CCIs. you know what? I want to take that back. I'm not a hundred percent sure that the six gear in my Dyna was an overdrive. I think maybe the baggers was an overdrive and mine might not have been, but I don't know. Like to me that it's always interesting to like change gear ratios on a motor. That's the same. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. We, we'll talk to uh, the uh, Harley uh, engineers about that at another time and see what they think about, it. see if we're just uh, idiots for, for wondering that stuff. But I, I always actually wonder, um, lots of, lots of things. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> you see it in a lot of stuff. Like I was talking to my dad when I was driving home um, from picking my truck up. I was talking about my Volkswagen and I'm like, okay, so it's like kind of a performance hatchback, you know? I'm like, the steering to me could be way quicker and the shifter moves like five and a half inches. I'm like, but 
those are like two little things, but I'm like, okay, so you've went like 95%. You made like all these improvements over a golf to make it quote sporty, but then you leave off like two things that are direct driver feel. Like the shifter? Yeah. Is, dude. Quick, is it a quick shifter? No, it's real. It's like a five and a half inch throw. Oh, okay. Like one of the, the easy fix is put an uh, Audi shifter in it. Audi, like the link, the link on the tranny, because yeah. it's the same motor, you know? Um, and people make aftermarket ones. So it's like a $100 fix or mod, but I'm just like, okay, so it's like a 200 horsepower turbo, like little hatchback. It's a decent Damn, little 200 horsepower. Car. That has more horsepower than like a 1986 Fox Body Mustang, dude. Like, uh, really close, yeah. Yeah. And those things only had like 176 or something like that. I like, don't know about an 86. Sub two, dude. They the were later Fox two. Bodies, I think, were around 250, but that might have been crank. It, it, yeah, I'm sure it was. And um, Volkswagen's not the only one, but those numbers are dumbed down. It was supposedly 200 stock and like 207 torque, and people have had them on chassis dynos, and they come in at two. <laughs> so they're like, yeah, Volkswagen's lying to, which is common in the car industry. I feel like the bike industry's opposite. They lie to say it makes more. Yeah. <laughs> the car industry's like, no, well, tell them it makes less. Any Anybody that knows how to do this can go to the uh, NHTSA website, and you can see what they post to the to NHTSA with their VINs as to how much horsepower they make. And mm. so that is, uh, it takes a lot of digging, and I'm not going to tell you how to do it, but you can find these numbers, and you'd be interested to see. That's why I, w- I always laugh when I'm looking at, like, an S1000RR, and they say, you know, it makes, like, 168 horsepower or something. And then you look at the friggin' what they submit to the NHTSA and it's like 189 it's like 200 damn horsepower yeah and then you look at like a bagger and it's like 117 cubic like we say almost 2000 uh cc's you know you're getting up yeah. there and it's putting out like a hundred and like 60 maybe or not i don't you know it's i don't even think it's that no that's no that high but uh brawny soft just got dynoed and it made better power with the carburetor actually um and it was like I want to say just over a hundred, but again, they're pretty, uh, yeah, I don't think it's also hard to compare a a thousand sport bike to a 2000 CC Harley because you're just, the motors are apple and oranges. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I I just think it's funny to see the actual numbers that are posted on there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The butt dyno is is all that really counts for that stuff. Well, and there's so much with, um, like my trusty Rusty just got dynoed. It was down a power, a horse from, um, before I rebuilt the motor with fancy heads and I put a nice, uh, Makuni carb on it, but I rode it at flat out Friday and it felt really good because the carb is really responsive. Nice. Depending on the track surface, it's too responsive. You didn't have to duct tape it open again. No, that because it's not a CV anymore. <laughs> yeah, oh, and is it just a slide now? Just yeah, a, yeah. So it's like really hits, and it's got you can dial back the um, the accelerator pump. Yeah, that makes it hit like harder. But um, for the pavement and the way I was riding it on the pavement, it felt really good. Yeah, I but I have to... had tracks where I'm like, oh, like careful yeah. on the throttle hand, and yeah. the bike's kind of jumpy. Yeah, that's the the performance side of it. Yeah, yeah, that's that sounds fun and. What? Where did you get your carb? Sudco. Yeah, I was, I was just gonna say if you. It's like brand new HSR forty two is like two hundred bucks from Sudco. Yeah, oh my God. If I had the eight hundred dollars that uh, 
it costs. I would just buy the the four bank Kawasaki's that bolt right to the oh the good CRs. Yeah, oh my god, yeah, yeah. And th- that's the other thing I was trying to explain to somebody before. But depending on what you're doing, I don't know. I, I guess to a lot of street guys, they really like that low end responsiveness, and trust he feels really good right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, for us, I buy one carb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually, Speed Merchant paid for it. So, because um, he's been telling me forever, he's going to buy me one, and I'm like, "Hey, let's go ahead and try that out." So he's like, "Oh yeah, let me get that." Um, actually, he had bought me one and then uh, gave it to someone else. Yeah, so and you guys, are, you guys one. are closer to. I mean, Sudco kind of moved down by your work. They're in, uh, they're Com- in Compton. Yeah, yeah. I've been there once now. I picked up some jets, um, but. Yeah, yeah. I used to go there all the time for Spamela parts before they moved to Compton. Yeah, uh, when they were over in it's crazy all the stuff industry they have or something. They were in crazy. industry or Inglewood. I forget what they were, but yeah, they were they were on like a little further north. And dude, they got every, you look at their catalog, and it's almost like a Harley Davidson P and A catalog. Oh, like, it's ridiculous. Oh, it's so rad. The and cool it, part is, I like went in pages, and they were like, "Oh, do you know what partner you need?" And I was like, "No, I was hoping uh, someone here would find it." <laughs> and then they were like, "Well, here's the book, and it's like super." thick and it was just on that car but it wasn't even their whole yeah. collection right and then i'm like okay but i also don't know what mine came with stock and the dude came down he's like what is it and i was like it just r42 on a sporty and he's like oh it's got this jet and i'm like i want to do the next two fatter sizes because i think it's a little lean and i just want to put them in and try them out and he's like okay we'll pick up these two and i didn't even spend like six or seven dollars on two jets yeah maybe it was ten dude, and they know everything but there the dude was able to like come down and help it was yeah. so quick and easy they are so cool they and weren't nice super stoked that i didn't like call ahead or anything because uh, it's not like a retail storefront no but I took yeah it, every took time i've me. gone down i've called ahead and they had it waiting kind mm-hmm. of in will call because yeah it's definitely not like a retail mm-hmm. retail store it's almost like mcmaster car yeah you, but it like if you get on their website and stuff, like to me, it was hard to find the right jet that I needed. Yeah. Oh, it, the, searching that, perusing that catalog online would take hours because yeah. you you have to go through each section. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you find out what's in there. It's not super easy to search. But and it God, wasn't I just like, hey, it. this is my carb, because yeah. all HSR 42s are going to come with the same basic jets. Yeah. Even for a different bike, because it's still a 42 millimeter carb. Yeah. So there's only so much fuel that's going to go through it. So, but yeah. it was pretty rad though. Yeah. It was so, a cool place. And there were some cool bikes in and out when I was there. Yeah. Thank you guys for understanding our mistake on saying CBOs were 114s and they're really 117s. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of numbers that I don't know really any of that Dude, we try to keep track and of. And it's so funny because a lot of bikes are coming with both combos or like I was just recently looking at uh, some stuff and from like up to 15 or 16 they came with like a 107 remember when that was like the hot shit or 103 then they bumped 103 up to 103 and then 110 yeah or or the 107 and then 110 like the, the 107 is the smallest milwaukee 8 i believe yeah and they there was that period where they were all changing up and now they're like all going up to like 110s and i think yeah. you can get some with the 114s it's like it's yeah. so crazy now so you said the cvo is a 117 the cvos are but all 117 i think you're right i think the fat bob was a 107 or you could get that one which is something i wish yeah. i would have done when i bought my dyna if you got the one you could get a 114 yeah if you got the 115th anniversary edition you could bump it you could bump it up it only came in the industrial gray trim stock that it came with the 114 but you could probably ask i think you could get it in in that yeah you can pretty much on just the fat bob well you could i mean you know guys spend the money all the time but like Mm -hmm. when i bought my dyna 
the CVOs were gross. They were all super. I like the new CVOs a lot. Yeah, but um, they were all like chrome and just metallic, dude. They're getting blacked out left and they right are, now. dude. Or like the gunship or like... Yeah. And it's like gray and red or gray and orange. I, I think they look really good. Um, but yeah, when I bought my Dyna, I was like, I would have paid for an option for the big motor. Yeah. Of course, I also never heard great things about the 110. I heard a lot of better stuff about the 103. Yeah. But and that's the thing. This new change, this step up again, one hundred three to one hundred seven, and one ten to one fourteen. Like all these bumps that everybody's yeah. been doing, it's kind of, it's kind of made like a big, big deal. Well, you know, it's make a bit made a big change. And Harley kooks are weird too, because there's a lot of guys that are like, oh, you're never going to get better than the old eighty eights. Like you can tune an eighty eight to do this, and or the eighty <laughs> whatever everyone's excited about. I don't know. And I know, like, for my 96, because that's what my Dyna had when it was new, like, you could put cylinders on it and make it a 103, um, but you had to, like, put a crank in it to make it a 110 because it was stroked and bored. Yeah. But, oh, and there's all sorts of hop-up shit. Oh, they had get. a 124R yeah. that was pretty badass. <laughs> that's actually where my 103 came from was, like, a dude bought a brand-new bagger, put a 124 in it right away. Yeah. So I bought a brand new 103 that hadn't even started. Yeah, I think uh, I hadn't ridden it. I think my buddy had a 124 FXD, like an old FX or no, an old FXR. He got ran over on the freeway a couple a few months ago, but he rebuilt that fucker twice because he got. I think he got hit twice on that thing. It's a bad luck, bad luck bike. Well, enough about uh, Harley Davidson, and enough about uh, uh, the. Coyotes walking down our neighborhood. Let's move on to the next subject. <laughs> That's probably a wolf. Your yeah. accuracy is. Yeah, I don't have I a coyote sound effect. Um, next thing I want to talk about was: Did you listen to Misfits this week? I know you're a little bit behind on. Podcasts. I have. I'm so yeah. behind on podcast. It's right okay. Now. It's okay. Me too. Me too. Uh, I'm catching up to ours. I've just listened to episode 52 of the Creative Writing. <laughs> podcast last week uh no they were talking about the they had a they had a quite a long conversation about the bmw autonomous bike that's been making oh, the I rounds just, on the videos did i send you a link for that or a video clip for that just the electric grom my huh? yeah you sent me the electric grom my buddy at work sent me the bmw uh but it was only a matter of minutes before i would have found it myself yeah and uh yeah it's been it's cruise around a track um it can stop on its own it can break on its own it can do everything that the yamaha motobot could but uh what i i saw that it really needs is it needs a servo on the kickstand because it's like riding itself around with a kickstand down yeah the funny thing about that is that they the paravez there's this bike or a weird pod thing called the uh the paravez Panatracer, and it's an enclosed capsule uh, bike. We'll call it a bike because it does have a steering wheel, but you still have to counter steer it because it's only two wheels. So it uses a gyroscopic moment, and they're totally enclosed. And um, they have they use BMW window regulators for the outriggers because you can't you're, you're inside there. You can't yeah. put your feet down or anything. So when you come to a stop sign, these little outriggers have to drop down, and it, and when you're going below five miles an hour, they'll drop down because you know kind of doesn't work. Yeah gyroscopic moment doesn't really work and counter steering under like five ten miles an hour so once you get going they pop up and it's like a matter of seconds because it's the bmw window regulators so it's like and it, i think it does it in like less than a second so that you won't tip over and um i was thinking why didn't they stick one of those on that like a window regulator would be perfect you could like hide it back there on the frame and it's just like a rod basically you know like that's funny but 
Yeah, the thing is riding around, and they say that here is the great thing that everybody's saying. It's so freaky to see. Is it freakier than an autonomous car, like one of those Google cars that's going around taking pictures, or the Waymo cars? Like, what's freaky about it? I think it? it's freakier. <laughs> because when you look in a car and you don't see anyone, you're like, it's not going to fall over. Uh, okay, okay. Like, there's no balance involved in a car. Okay. And if you think, you're like, okay, you can have sensors and cameras and whatever in a car, and it can know, and especially with the accuracy of Google Maps, like, it knows, okay, I have a right-hand corner coming up, and it can put on a signal, and it can sense if there's a car there or not. Right. That's what they, they're using And the motorcycle cars, can, like, do that. The Google car. But how the hell does it balance itself? That's what they're using them for, right, is to take pictures, like, to, to yeah, drive around. to so update humans. the maps. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they're already using those. I know. Waymo is doing it in... That was the first reason was to like for the maps. Okay. That's why they had the camera on top okay. and then like... Yeah, and so this bike's doing it now too. Oh, really? And yeah. I mean the bike, not 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 Google Map, but I'm saying now there's a motorcycle driving around and friggin' the, the thing is they're saying it's only for research, but... Yeah, I mean there's a lot of liabilities involved with putting the person on top of a motorcycle that can ride itself. Yeah. Like... Again, in a car, there's a safety level that is there. And on a motorcycle, like BMW is not going to assume the responsibility if you get smacked by a semi. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, I don't think... I know there's a lot of litigation going on with autonomous cars. Who's at fault if the car Right. Well, and one of the biggest problems they had with autonomous cars is like, you know, the old um, decision, like if you're on a train and it's going to hit 20 people. Yeah. If you can change the tracks and only kill one person, do you do it? Yeah, you know what they used because to call that? Because you consciously kill the one person? Yeah. What did they used to call that? That was the uh, the Turdman paradox. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's you, a paradox, right? So Yeah, do you kill one person to save 20? Or, right. You know. And I heard, you know what I heard? I, I heard this got flipped. They said, what if it's a fat person now? What if you say, what if you hit the fat guy? Because he can... Like in the in the theoretical question, do you hit this fat guy because he can stop the train? Like his body would stop the train. And people said no, they'd rather hit a group of twenty people because they felt bad toward a fat guy. So when he was skinny, they would hit him to save twenty people. Once you make him fat, or probably like another uh, ethnicity or something, people coming from would... a fat guy, just wipe out the bad genetics. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. It's just it's just funny to think how humans think when they have to make these decisions. So well, that, that and the thing is the with that ethics. like paradox. Or with the autonomous car thing is it's it's a split second decision and it's not a decision, it's a reaction. Yeah. And if you do something, it's an accident. The flip side of that too, though, is will autonomous cars be in those situations? And that is a question that we don't know the answer to. Like we like to think that, you know, our reaction time compared to something like that is so slow that 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 car or in this case that motorcycle would basically know ahead of time not really ahead of time but it would know so quickly that it could react for the best situation and not and basically avoid the whole incident right yeah and an autonomous car is not in a hurry to get you to work on time it doesn't give a shit it's going to get you there when it gets you there right like it has no i want to say attitude but like it doesn't have like that stream of thought that is relevant to it right or like oh you know like people get in a hurry and people get frustrated and they make rash decisions or whatever or you just like you're just over it that day or or whatever it is the autonomous car is not going to do that yeah but it also is going to sense and it's going to leave safe 
um, following distance yeah. and it's going to, you know. If you like, base autonomous cars, what they're saying, the V2V communication, which is like those yeah. little drones that make all those pictures in the sky and you can tr- fly a mm-hmm. thousand drones in a room and they don't crash into each other. An autonomous car doesn't really care. Autonomous car is never going to come into a situation where it has to hit somebody. What's going to happen is the analog person walking, looking on their cell phone is going to cause the autonomous car to react. Or but in theory... So if it is, if there's a person looking at his phone going across the crosswalk, there's going to be enough sensors that can oh, sense yeah. far enough ahead. Hopefully. <laughs> that, and, and the other thing with an autonomous car is it sees, like, we see less than 180 degrees yeah. from our face, right? Like, we have yeah. peripheral vision. You go back to about 180. I can see my left hand. I can't see my right. Can you see my I'm left very, hand? Because <laughs> I'm looking slightly <laughs> left at you, right? Um we're for in the around. listeners, like I have my hands up by my head, waving them yeah. like a fucking idiot. Um, it looks but pretty awesome, though. Like when you're in a car, like if I'm turning right and I start to look right, I can't see anything yeah. to the left anymore. Yeah, yeah. Or if I check a blind spot over to the left, I can't see anything to the right or whatever. You just stated autonomous- one of the most obvious physics of turning too, like. That you, you turn, you look head. right, and you can't see left anymore. Yeah. Like it's a thing. It, or it, that when you're turning right, you should look right. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Just keep your head up and look where you're going. And by the way, it's true. Kristen Lassen was so much better at that than I am. What's that? I was so look right, go mad. right. Look like right, keeping left, your head up, looking where oh, you want to yeah, go. Yeah. I look at my front tire all the fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, enough about my bad riding habits. <laughs> Um, if you can beat me on a flat track, Girl, you dude, can my, talk shit about my, my head. My front tire is awesome. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> damn, that looks good. Um, but in theory, like a autonomous car is going to be looking right and looking straight and looking left at all times. Yeah. And it is capable of doing that. So if you're walking on a crosswalk when it's not time to walk and you're looking at your phone and you're not totally paying attention or or the driver of the car is looking at their phone not paying attention that doesn't happen because that car is always paying attention and there's nothing you you know look at we want to blame cell phones but i actually heard an interesting thing the other day unverified un whatever i don't even remember where i heard it where the rate of car accidents has actually stayed the same per number of people even with cell phones and stuff because the the brakes are better, the tires are better, and stuff like that is kind of help bring accidents down, huh. even though cell phones push them up. Yeah. And it's kind of like all evened itself out to where it was. Yeah. Or, Every, or, or, or has like stayed yeah. kind of even. Or that everybody has a cell phone, so the ma- amount of accidents maxed, and then now it's just a, <laughs> like the max. But yeah, so that, I mean, that's kind of the deal with the autonomous cars. It might not ever be in that situation. But if. If Elon Musk program into a car that um, if you're going straight into a crowd of 20 people and you can avoid it, but you have to turn and hit one person, then like if that was a conscious decision that was like written into the car in an algorithm, then that one person's family could sue Tesla basically. Even though it saved 20 people where – if you're driving your car and you're like, oh shit, 20 people and you yank the wheel and it hits one person, like, yeah, you can get sued, but really it's an accident. Yeah. It's a split second decision. It, it, you didn't have time to think about it. You reacted and that's what happened. Yeah. But the autonomous cars think so much quicker. That Unless you're an old man at a farmer's market in Santa Monica and you, and that's your, your goal is to drive through as many, where's the street? And you just drive through as many people as you can. Uh, I'm going to do a two minute rant here real quick. All right. I, you know what Wait, really, you're gonna rant? Yeah, you know what really grinds my gears? 
I seen. What is that from? You know what? Family, family, my family I think it's from Family I Guy. Think you're right. Uh, I I saw a s- commercial recently for being connected that was supposed to be like all about how great being connected twenty four fucking seven is. And the first thing this girl does is she walks outside and she's walking down the street and instead of walk instead of enjoying the outdoors and like her neighborhood and how. Pr- cool it was you saw that in the background you saw people high-fiving and walking dogs and having a, she's on her goddamn phone and they had her little screen popped out as if like you could so you could see what she's seeing and she's navigate she has no she has add because she's on her damn phone and she's not even enjoying the walk down the street and I've seen it on so many commercials now. And it doesn't have to be a phone commercial. It can just be a commercial for anything where the thing is, is that you're walking around and you're looking at your phone the whole damn time you're doing something. And my niece came uh, over the summer to hang out and we hung out at uh, a swimming pool and she couldn't even swim without being on Instagram. And I was like, dude, A, you're going to drop that iPhone 10 in the pool a, you have an iPhone 10 yeah. that you probably don't need. B, you're going to drop it in the swimming pool because you can't, you're so addicted, you can't even be off it. And C, enjoy the damn pool. So I'm just mad at commercials. Uh, I have 20 seconds left and I'm going to quit it early because that's what really grinds my gears. But <laughs> enough about cell phones. But yeah, you know, you got the, it's, it's, it's also the trolley. And the tr- and the tram or something like that. there's another paradox. It's the same thing. Yeah. Do you head on into another car or into a m- moving train or run over the mom with the push baby baby pram a push cart? You yeah. Know? And and that's the other thing is you kill a mom and a baby or you hit the car or the train. You should- kill forty or fifty or sixty. But the thing and is, some of them might be moms and babies. They're inside a a hard object that should. Be engineered to take impact. Like if it's another car, uh, for trains sure. fall over and they. Kill oh, listen, people on board. We just had the ten year anniversary of that Chatsworth thing. We're like, yeah. God, that was terrible. But the the point but is car, like car v car though. I mean, they both have airbags. Yeah. And so, I mean, you go for the car, right? Or do you? Like you're saying, or well, do you? Or do you or, risk killing but the like fact four that, people? But it goes back to the fact that it's a reaction. It's not a decision, and it's an accident. So you have like that on your side kind of and that's like one of the issues with autonomous cars is like what do you program in for it to do because it can think but again i i feel like autonomous cars even with people on their cell phones even with obviously for a long time people you know Elon Musk was saying, I listened to him on Joe Rogan, um, you know, it's going to be 15 or 20 (laughs) or 30 years before it would be fully autonomous and integrated anyway. And this is from a guy who has a car that's over 70 years old that I enjoyed driving. Like it's, I thought you were saying Tesla, like there's a 70 year old Tesla. (laughs) I didn't know. Only if Nikolai made a, yeah, uh, Nikolai um, Tesla made one. Yeah. Um, But so there will be like an integration period and the autonomous has to know about the human driven cars around it, Yeah, which I think is totally, totally capable. And that was a cool thing he was saying too. Like Joe Rogan's like, well, could you do like magnets or something to repel cars off one another, which – That's a stoner thought, but you could do transponders, which would be Well, actually, that's what he said. He's like, why would you want a physical barrier, which he was – I think he said physical, but the magnetic is basically a physical barrier. He's like, the cars know that there's a car there. Yeah. He's like, you don't need – Yeah. You don't need a barrier. He actually – 
he was asking him about like adding stuff like that. Yeah. And Elon's response was, and I really liked it. I, I think he's on point with it was, well, the tires actually work pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> but you, because that car would know there's a car next to it. Yeah. Like it's, and it would react and it's not, you know, if you're, if you're cruising down the carpool lane and someone's trying to get in next to you, you could hit the brakes and let them in. But that's not what people do. They hop on their horn and they they like move over a little bit until the person notices and then they hope the person's going to go back over. Or they cuss and like honk. Yeah, I had a guy do that in front of my truck today and how he missed that thing in his blind spot, I have no idea. But he tried to get out of the carpool lane, was like halfway over the double yellow line. And I'm like, in the front of my truck was like right by his quarter panel. And I'm like, like, dude, I'm that's going to end up real bad. I'm going to do the pit maneuver on you, bro. Yeah. (laughs) And could I have like slowed down more? Yeah. But the fact was, I saw where he was at. I'm like, I'm going to hop on the horn, let him know he made a huge mistake. He's getting over the double yellows. As much as I am for like, he was, um, he was, what he, what he wasn't getting over the double yellows. He was in a hurry to get out before the double started. Uh, Okay. So he didn't pay attention to his blind spot because he's like, Oh, I got to get out before it turns double. I see. And I'm like, well, when I pit maneuver you down the six Oh five freeway, you're going to be bummed. You're going to be like, well, I should have just crossed the double yellow. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but again, like autonomous cars aren't going to, they're not going to do any of that. It's going to be totally the safest route. Yeah. And an autonomous car is going to know that there's a car in its blind spot because it doesn't have blind spots. Yeah. And also, the the last thing I wanted to mention about this is that they say it's for research. And I know I've seen a lot of the Kurt Caselli vids where they launch a KTM out into the desert. Honda has a lot of things where they pull a motorcycle on a sled into the side of a van to see how the airbag is going to work or to see what an impact is going to do to a motorcyclist. So theoretically, they're going to be just like Motobot. The Yamaha Motobot was yeah. basically, I'm going to beat Valentino Rossi one day. They're, they're learning things without sacrificing the human writer to do all that, but also to get hard physical data that a computer is recording and not a human that might one day yeah. be doing the same lean but feel well, a different thing, right? And with the the Beamer, yeah, it's an experiment because in five years, 10 years, 20 years, it might not be an experiment. It might be reality. Yeah. But it takes those experiments to make it reality. Well, listen, that's what I'm, I'm glad you said that because everybody, <laughs> the three other people that I've heard talk about it were so relieved that it was just for research. But if you remember back, if you go back to Creative Writing's webpage, uh, I think it was October of 2016, BMW had a huge uh, event up here in LA called the next 100. And they were talking about their yeah. next 100 years of riding and driving. And they were laid out their whole plan of going electric because in Europe, everything's I'm telling you they're going electric. So they're just saying, you know, we're going to go electric. And they said, we're going to have a motorcycle that you won't even need to wear safety gear. And the girl, all she has is goggles. And BMW is actually working on a HUD helmet right now that has Basically, every, like a lot of stuff displayed across it, uh, across the visor. When you're approaching a turn, it'll say like construction ahead. If you can't see it yet, they're they're Ducati's working on V to I with Audi right now, and V to V, and they call it the V two X over there. This is the I think vehicle to infrastructure. The problem I see with that is on a motorcycle working with it, unless the motorcycle is going to hit the brakes for you, which is possible. Supposedly it is. But if you're giving the rider information through their helmet, that's too much shit going on in a small space. And in the, in the future glasses, cause the, the motorcycle, it will be in uncrashable. They say, well, now I, I do agree 
Long-term future, yeah. Yeah. But I'm saying like near future where you're talking about Ducati working with Audi and then working about like structures and stuff like that. They're doing the stuff that you were talking about, the V2V and letting a vehicle know you're there and all that. Say like if you drive a modern car and uh, you go to change lanes and you flip on a turn signal and there is a car in your blind spot, it beeps at you. But (sighs) it's a beep. You're like, oh shit, what is it? Yeah. You like, you have to process like this beep. Now, luckily, I think when it's done it to me, um, usually your reaction is to kind of get the car back in the lane. Oh, your Hope- car beeps at you? Yeah. Your car. Not the Volkswagen, the Subaru does. Oh, okay. Um, but you, like, it's a haptic. Hopefully, then, you at don't this point. yank oh, yeah, the wheel. Overcorrect, right. Or um, as North Dakota, so. Um, pleasantly made uh advertising thing all over the country don't jerk and drive <laughs> wow. so hopefully you don't jerk the wheel um it's not it, oh dude it was a whole and drive, huh? corbert or uh last week tonight or yeah. something oh it's hilarious i think it was on stephen corbert but anyway um and it's not eating jerk chicken so while it like it beeps at you yeah but your reaction is like this yeah. like jolt yeah and i'm like that could be sketchy and on a bike like I feel like if there's so much stuff flashing in your visor and trying to tell you things that you're trying to process, like it could be detrimental. And maybe to it's you. me. Like I don't wear headphones when I ride a motorcycle. Yeah. Like I don't. I want me and the bike and whatever. And I know there's people that have ridden a hundred thousand miles with headphones and never had an accident. But I know there's a lot of people with headphones that have an accident every fucking hundred miles. So I, I blast White Snake on repeat over it's and over. All. I don't know. Like to me, I just don't, I can't do it. I have a lot of miles on a bike and I've been pretty lucky with accidents. So person that's for Mike probably, by the way. So person to person, you're saying it could be overwhelming or it could be just to put extra information in a helmet. Yeah. That a human can't handle, but a computer could. Now if you put that again, like if if the, if your Ducati Audi thing is like, okay, it's going to automatically break because there's a car in front of you. But what if you go to change lanes Unless you have servos on the bars, and then again you're why dealing you, why with you punching the mic, you right? Mad. You're dealing with <laughs> counter steer and weight distribution, yeah. so you can't. It's not like a car where you can servo and turn the bars the other way because you turn the bars. I, I mean, I guess really if you're leaning right and you want to go left, you turn the bars right, but. That would be really hard to do on a bike. You'd have to put like a weight below the bike or something to swing. Like, and not that that's not possible. And I do think in the future that will happen. But I'm just saying, if it's a a a person to vehicle connection, and you're you're trying to make the rider safer by feeding him information, him or her Mm -hmm. information about car here, this here, that there, there's too much shit lighting up in Mm -hmm. your helmet. So yeah, and. According to BMW's Next 100, if you go back, I put their whole press release on the website. And um, now I'm kicking it. We're doing karate on the microphones tonight. Uh, I hope that doesn't come across in everyone's ears. Um, Their whole thing was that this new motorcycle that they have is going to be, uh, you're going to have to wear a special suit because the suit is going to be basically a gy- or not a gyrometer but like an accelerometer to the bike to let, let it know how you're sitting. Mm. And, you're, and it will... The thing that it said in the press release was that in the next 100 years, BMW's vision for motorcycling is to make it more free for people and for them to be able to take it to the edge but not go over the edge. So the bike will let you start to go into a turn really hard and really fast. And if it senses that you're going in too hot, it will correct 
it will apply brakes. It will apply, it will, will apply lean because nothing, just like nowadays, you're, I don't know if your Subaru is servo steering or if your GTI is. Your G, the your, GTI is not. The Subaru will. Um, what I noticed in Germany on the Citroen we drove, um, it had like the lane assist thing, right? And I felt like it was always yanking the wheel around on me. Yeah. I turned it some, off some and it was like, it felt so much better yeah. to turn. Yeah. But it was like, it wasn't even close to the edge and it, it didn't feel like it was like trying to pull me back in the center. It just felt like it would fight me all the time. Yeah. And it was so weird. And then I just turned it off and I was like, fuck, that feels yeah. better. Because some, a lot of steering wheels nowadays are electric. They don't have a natural shaft connecting it. Yeah, a lot they connect don't. to a servo and that servo connects to yeah. the wheels. So, which is cool because like I said on my GTI, I wish it was quicker. Yeah. And on the, the Focus ST or Focus RS, or maybe both. I'd say if it's on the ST, it's probably also on the RS. But um, you change, or maybe it's the Civic R. When you change the modes, it changes how quick the steering is. Mm. And I believe there was a solid connection. Oh yeah, but it was some. It changed something to literally change like how quick the steering yeah. was when you went to like the track mode compared to the street mode stuff. It, I was like, that's pretty cool though. For, it must have electric. At least if it's not electric, it has some it kind of electric assist. assist. For sure. Yeah, because but, uh, you will have. I don't know. Have you seen the uh, motors on the like recumbent bicycles? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like to me, that's our next one hundred. An electric recumbent little teeny thing that you can just like lay down in and it gets you to work yeah oh and before i started this podcast i really wanted it could have four wheels but that would be a waste if you could get away with two yeah i wanted it to build like a uh velo oh god why, why can't i think of what they're called like an enclosed recumbent velo cycle velo velo depends how enclosed but yeah velomobile i guess they're called i've seen them with like where they basically have like spandex over the bicycle no. so it's all aero and like no. your head sticks out the top like one of the ones that has like headlights and brake lights and disc brakes and all that shit like there's there's some swiss companies that make some pretty good ones but um that's that's for another that's for another day uh the last thing i wanted to say about this is that when BMW says it's just for research, that's BS because they already said that the next 100 is going to be this fully integrated bike that's so safe you well, don't even need a helmet. Yeah, again, the bike that they're showing right now or displaying is just for research, but you need that research to to develop what comes next. <laughs> exactly. So, and I, I we got a. I asked Snapatap if he had seen this. Our one of our uh, Facebook regulars. And uh, I said, you know what? Have you seen this uh, BMW bike? And he said, it could be, I'm going to quote him verbatim. It could be an autonomous spaceship that can fly to Neptune and back. If I can't drive it and control it, I don't care. And he says, ha ha. But I know he means ha ha. Because he's, <laughs> he's, he's pretty against stuff like that. So two things I'm really disgusted about right now is all the talk about autonomous vehicles and all the talk about electric taking over petrol. So let's, let's quit talking about it, I guess, for the rest of the show if we wanted to listen. I don't think it's – well, I, it's just I, actually, it's I think coming. he's actually very right about yeah. that, and that is the niche. The hard part is we as motorcyclists are in a niche market. I actually saw a stat today that 3.9% of all brand new cars bought are manuals in the U.S. That can't be right. In the U.S. That cannot be right. And it's probably more. Wait, how much? Probably more like 1%. Hmm. And you got to think, like, look at all the cars. I say this because we as motorcyclists, a lot of us are semi into cars. I'm not huge into cars, but a gearhead's a gearhead. Um, You know, look at how many cars are only available in a stick. Like... 
back to the Focus ST, I think the Focus RS, um, the majority of GTIs are sold as a stick. A lot of Subarus, surprisingly, are still sold as sticks, but the new CV transmission gets better mileage. So you're, if you're getting better gas mileage, they are actually more and more coming with an automatic. Do they consider like the... Like Por- I know there's a lot of Porsches that are still available in stick, but a lot of the high-performance cars are even only available in auto. Like It's only or- available in like the DST, but I believe that's considered an automatic. I don't yeah. believe it's considered a stick. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the issues or one of the things too is like as the technologies get back to the Subaru with the CV, um, it is better on gas mileage for a small four-cylinder. Um, than a stick where a lot of the a lot of the reason a lot of Subarus were still sticks because all the hippy dippies are buying them it's kind of why I bought it um and is, that's, your, is your Subi a stick no it's got oh. the CV because oh. we get better gas mileage with the CV yeah so yeah I got she stick, was like and apparently the like, although I saw one today at 2018 that was a stick a six huh. speed in it like I would have bought a stick and sacrificed a little gas mileage because I enjoy driving a stick but if you're torn like she was down to get a stick, but then when the gas mileage is better with the CV, it's like, well, then what is the point? Yeah, and that's the performance cars are getting to that too. But what you're another thing you're running into, and again, this is a very like if three point nine percent of all cars in the U.S. are sold as a stick, then forty percent of that are people that care. Yeah, I could actually believe that because if you're saying that ninety seven percent aren't, yeah, that's a that's pretty believable. I it's could closer believe. to ninety six. Yeah, I could believe that there's three point nine. Yeah. <laughs> I can believe that there's, but it's like, it's like motorcycle people, like with, I, with the DST and the dual clutch and stuff like that compared to a regular stick. It's like the people that buy the FZ09 or the people that buy something with a slipper clutch and anti-lock and, um, traction control. Like as an enthusiast, you don't always want that stuff. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people that drive a car and enjoy, you know, it's not just transportation to them. You enjoy driving a stick, even if down a quarter mile, it's a little slower or around a racetrack, it's just a little bit slower. It's not about lap time. It's about, you know, being in control and being one with you and your vehicle, whether it's a motorcycle or a car. But, um, you know, I see more and more motorcycles going to come. You know, the new Goldwing's available with the dual clutch transmission. Yeah, and then no hand clutch. I believe. Yeah, I remember when the when that came out. I think it was on the ST or the VF. I think it was on the Yamaha, right? The the FZ or uh, whatever the eleven or twelve hundred. Oh, it's sport they had a dual clutch first. I, I I thought yeah, I thought Honda was the one that kind of like. Is it on the DN01? It, uh, the DN01 did have an automatic, but I think it was on the, the VFR I mean, really? 1200 the, or the oh. ST. The VFR 1200. Yeah, I don't think VFR the ST 1300 had something. it. They had, some, they had something. I not, think not it was the a VFR. 1200. Yeah. But the Yamaha is the one that made it famous. They had the the push button gear select, too. Honda has that, too. I think so. I didn't know Yamaha well, had Or it. there's the old 400 twin Honda-matic. Yeah. And they made a 750 Honda-matic too, didn't they? I think. But I think those were automatic okay. automatics, and that's yeah. what kind of killed them. Like on a small motor like the 400, yeah. you're going to lose so much. Yeah. And, and the thing was when the when the DCT first came out, they were showing how cool it was to shift and how – because they showed a regular – Honda shifting and it like l- jumped every yeah. time you shift like so much smoother chain chain lash and every yeah. little every and little so mechanical much faster thing. yeah it was smoother and faster kind of like my buddy was telling me because we used to do track days he had a, a Fox body Mustang he was saying the automatics are actually better for drag racing because he would drag race at all oh the yeah time they're too. definitely better for drag racing he's like there's no 
shift, you know? Well, and when you do shift, but when, you, you're, when you're quick shifting in like a big car on a drag strip, you're breaking the tires loose into second and mm-hmm. you're probably breaking them loose into third. Yeah. And if Whereas you're getting automatic, fourth, you're breaking yeah. this again. And the automatic's so much smoother. And the automatic can slip so much longer. Yeah. That's why a lot of drag cars are only two speeds. Yeah. I'm actually not even sure top fuel shifts, do they? Not to my knowledge. They just basically slip yeah. you know, the whole... Yeah. The whole 300 feet, right? But I mean, it, uh, oh, it's a quarter mile. <laughs> what does that come <laughs> out just to? kidding. It's like 13, 20. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, can you imagine like zero to... What did they go? Almost like 300, 300 miles or something. Yeah, 323. Well, even with a two-speed? But yeah. yeah when, when you shift, I shifted at 150. <laughs> it was like the power glide or whatever back in the day. It was a two-speed, and that was like the hot tranny for drag racing because yeah. it would slip It's on its own being it's kind of fluid-based or whatever, and then it would shift, and so it was smooth and it was fast, and there was no delay in the shifting. Yeah. My whole thing with the automatics is I've driven an automatic pretty sportily before, and you can't really downshift, which is a lot of times what I would use into corners yeah. for... I'd use the engine braking to carry momentum I, I, where... I think, to a lot of people want control. Like, I would love to be able to, in my pickup, put a switch yeah. like an up and a down button like it could be totally automatic but i could be like no you're gonna stay in this gear right now yeah because a lot of times like it'll rev 2500 3000 rpm by the way my truck red lines are like 3100 yeah. um where i could be like no go up a gear because it makes 600 foot pounds of torque i'm like yeah we can tow this house at 500 rpm it's <laughs> yeah. cool there you go but where I'm like, yeah, just chill, motor. Yeah, like when I heard the DCTs, I thought it was so cool, but then I didn't realize it was like the slippery slope of giving one more iota of control or taking it away. And you're not really, because you can still manually shift those things up and down, but you are taking away the fact that well, the diff- it's harder to do certain things on There's them. differences too. The DCT is different than, maybe not, DCT is dual clutch. Mm-hmm. Maybe that is what, because when I was like looking at my Volkswagen, there was a lot of DCTs and everyone's like, oh, it's an automatic. It feels like an automatic. Where I think a lot of the good DCTs, like the nice Porsches and the Ferraris and stuff, yeah, they're push button shift, but it's a hard, like it's solid. Yeah. You know, because to me, like a lot of traditional automatics are basically a fluid drive and you feel that, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So where the good DCTs don't do that. I think he made a good point too. He says he, he he feels that like electric and autonomous gets really old. We haven't even talked about automatic, but pretty soon a lot of uh, stuff's going to be going to that. But he says that that stuff gets really old since no one really knows if either will be viable in the future. But most are willing to turn a blind eye to the past for a better perspective. And... Um, just because EV bikes are different doesn't mean they're better or more viable or going to be the future. Yet people talk down about petrol-powered bikes like they're old, polluting, steam-powered hunks of crap from the past that need to go away to make room for these sex-organ-sterilizing battery packs what? of electromagnetic radiation. And that's actually something that I did hear on another podcast. They were talking the about... electromagnetic radiation. How and much, again, how much shit goes into your... Like, they were talking about possible brain cancer because people will sleep with cell phones too close to their yeah. head in the beds. So well, and again, that's something we've talked about that's never been really an answered question. Like it's pretty dirty and pretty bad for the environment to mine for lithium. And then we don't know what to do with the batteries when they go bad. And that's a question that I think Elon has even avoided, you know, and people kind of quit asking. Maybe they were told not to ask, but 
other than that, I don't really dis, I don't really agree with a lot of that. Like I do think, and I've said it before, like I think electric is coming. I think it is very viable for certain things. The, the niche or the weird spot of the, the world that we're in as motorcyclists in the United States is very few use it as a mode of transportation. Do you ride to work once in a while? Yeah. Is that considered a mode of transportation? It is that one day when you do that. Yeah. Is it your only vehicle? Then it's not your mode of transportation. And even like I commuted every day to work on one for five years. Um, and it was still not my only vehicle. If it was rainy or something like, uh, no offense to some of our listeners, if it was my Harley and it was had electrical problems and was down, <laughs> I had a four wheel vehicle. Like I had a, a, a regular vehicle. Um, but still like we live in a country where it's not your just mode of transportation. It's an enjoyable thing. So I think for those people that, that want to commute on them, I think they're great. Like from riding it and being around them, like I think they're awesome. But again, yeah, we don't know what to do with the batteries. And, and another interesting thing that I think Elon brought up, I think was where I heard this on Joe Rogan again, not to get Joe Rogan more listeners, but um, like he should he should say creative writing and our listenership yeah. would triple. <laughs> but um, what they were saying was like you're not – one possible future is that you – we don't all have cars because we don't need cars because if you need to go to the grocery store, you can get on your phone and say you need to go to the grocery store. And this electric autonomous vehicle is going to show up, pick you up, take you to the grocery store. And it's going to do the same for you going to work. Like it's going to go – you know, it's going to be at your house in the morning. It's going to take you to work. And then when it drops you off, it's not going to sit. You know, they were like, basically your car sits all day. Yeah. You know, like Southern California, we have a shitty commute. I'm in my vehicle an hour and a half every day out of a 24 hour period though. Like that's not a lot. Yeah. So, you know, I could have a car. It could take me to work, drop me off. And basically go out and pick someone else up and take them to work. Yeah, what, what was that episode one thirty eight where we talked about shared mobility and all that stuff? Yeah, oh, maybe I don't know. Cities what are moving. Do you remember yeah. that, that we were talking? Was about, I even here for one thirty eight? Yeah, we were talking about bird scooters and like the future of mobility are and you all sure? that stuff. I don't yeah. remember talking about bird scooters on here. Really? I rode one in San Diego though, and then since then I've seen all these videos of people just eating shit on them. <laughs> There's the whole. By the way, they're sketchy and they're twitchy as fuck. Yeah, and they're electric fucking razor scooters yeah like i'm glad i was sober and i like to do stupid shit and i like motorcycles and i like bicycles and, and i've been on a razor scooter and those i wasn't until i got off of it well when i was on it a little bit i was like this thing's twitchy and then i got off of it and i was like that thing's dumb as fuck and people are gonna get seriously hurt and then well, people I like, ride them all over the sidewalks and without helmets i think that's part of the reason well, they recommend are- you have a helmet but it if you're going out, whatever in yeah. San Diego, like they're not, and you can get a DUI on them too. I've don't never, get me wrong. I've never seen anybody on them one with a helmet. By the way, I don't think I have either. Yeah, they recommend, and they're surprisingly expensive. Also, oh really? Yeah, we went like eight or nine blocks, and it was like three bucks, maybe more. And That's I was like, so worth it though. <laughs> the exhilaration, the wind in your hair. So <laughs> there were three of us. We could have called an Uber and saved money. Oh shit! But. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I do. Like the shared mobility is something that could be that kind of future too. So, you know, 
Our we should, we should, plug, we should plug rider share right now in Twisted Road because in a way, if your bike is just sitting there, that is a sort of shared. Yeah. You're, you're lending it out. It's not driving itself to go pick them up, but yeah. you're still letting somebody use it when you're not. Yeah. Go check out rider share. So it's an interesting like ideals and, and we, you know, we don't, again, 50 years ago, we thought we'd have flying cars now. So yeah. Well, and everything that he talks about is a pretty good point because batteries are relatively new well they're not new but they've been around for thousands of years they've actually. been gross for a long time but they've been lead acid yeah, and that's the even thing. now even the lithium and stuff too like i agree with that the batteries are gross he said they're We've crap gotta find yeah, a better way that's exactly what he said yeah i didn't read the rest of it because it's, it's a long but it makes so much sense and, and said, i think that's it too like the energy density compared to liquid fuel is crap you know like as a consumer, we look at and who knows if is we, electric really that clean of energy? Like, okay, so nuclear is quote unquote clean, except we have a power plant not too far from where we are right now that we don't know what to do with, and it's full of nuclear waste. Yeah, and we're like, well, uh, we can dig a really deep hole in a mountain and put it all in there, and then in seven hundred years or whatever it is, we can go, hey, look. Um, that shit didn't drain everywhere and kill everything. Yeah. But but what if it does? <laughs> or we have coal or we have wind where one people bitch about the buffering and say it makes them sick. I don't that know. Yeah, I don't know, dude. We were all over Germany and they were everywhere. The downside though to them I think is they're so expensive to build and it's not that they are expensive to build, but what they do cost to build it takes like something like 10 or 15 or 20 years to get the money back from what it just cost to build it yeah. and maintenance and stuff like that. Is there not a profitable thing? He made a point that the re- renewables are mostly almost all renewable right now is tax based subsidized by tax money right now yeah. where when you pull oil out of the ground, that's instantly sellable. I'm not real sure if he understands how oil gets pulled out of the ground. Um, we had to kill a lot of people and send military to a lot of places. <laughs> so oil is also tax subsidized. Well, um, yeah, yeah. But that's a whole other wormhole for another podcast. Yeah. Um, and that was an interesting point that Elon brought up too. He's like, well, gas is kind of subsidized by, uh, I mean, I don't know, just pulling shit out of the ground. But I lost my before that yeah. total train. Boop, uh, but boop, boop, but boop. I do, I agree, like the batteries are not amazing. Um, and even solar, like solar is getting better, but you know, how much electricity can they collect and how long does it last? I think that's why some people are like, when we talked to Sarah a couple weeks ago, uh, from the serpent's bones, she said her house is on partial solar because she's in Ohio. You can't run solar all year there. Yeah, And I got a friend of mine with a sprinter van who he, he owns a house in Minneapolis, but he lives out of a sprinter van and, um, Cause he's able to do that with his work and he's got some solar panels on top and that runs a lot of the shit, but he doesn't, I mean, you know, you're not running your air conditioning off of it and stuff like that. So it's, I do, I think it is a fix all no, but I do think it's better than what we have. Um, as far as the broad picture is concerned, as far as the, the world is concerned and, and people that don't give a shit about motorcycles and going fast and making noises and popping wheelies are concerned. Yeah, I think it's amazing. Or I think it's the future and it's better than what we have. For guys like us that like we love to take old shitty two fifties out with 
<laughs> and, really and we like to like go fast and we, you know what I mean? Like to me, like, yeah, it's really hard to beat a petrol car. Um, Especially I, when I went to Vegas, on I only filled up once between here and Las Vegas, and that's only a three gallon tank. So I made it to yeah. Vegas on six. I'm gallons. surprised you have made it to Vegas. Oh, dude, wheeling the whole way, <laughs> and I because but, of the wind, though, not because. Of but the I think we could, as you know, I think we could do a lot better with with size of vehicles and fuel efficiency with vehicles and stuff like that. I mean, you think of a 600 cc sport bike, like they really get horrible gas mileage for as small as they are. You know they don't do much that much better than a thousand, and when you're on the throttle, they're almost as fast as a thousand. Yeah. But you know, I think bikes like the Honda VFR with VTEC was a good way to do it. Um, I'm really surprised that there's not some sort of hybrid bike out yet. Um, I think the next generation Honda Goldwing is too far away. You know, it could be full electric. Well, my, it's, my, it's 15 years out minimum. Going back well, to what you're minimum, but going back to the engine bumps that we were talking about at the beginning of the show, uh, my buddy and I were talking, and I said, "Well, you know, Harley's bumping up to from 883 and 1200 to 1250 and 975. Uh, kind of, huh. they're changing motors altogether, though. Well, yeah, yeah. You could actually go smaller motor and make the same power as your 883, though. Yeah." The thing is, uh, I was saying, you know, look at the H2 uh, and look at all forms of crazy technology that comes out. And the H2, when they were talking about it and the Soul Charger concept and all this and that, it was basically to get friggin' massive horsepower and 300 kilometers an hour or whatever out of a 998 or whatever, 998 or 999cc motor with forced induction getting the same getting more power from the same displacement because then you don't have more emissions you know what i'm saying you're getting more but more you, power out of the but same you do because how forced induction works is you're forcing in air and the thing with an internal combustion engine is if you force in more air you have to force in more fuel to go with it yeah i don't think you're getting A better diesel's gas different. that's why turbo diesels are so nice yeah diesels last forever because they rev 3000 rpm but they make good power because you can they're they rev so low and they're built so heavy and sturdy inside but you can put a lot more air in them without adding fuel Mm -hmm. or adding as much fuel i'm not real um how do i want to say like sure on how that works because i've always grown up around a regular internal combustion yeah yeah and a regular one if you add air you're adding fuel yeah so if you turbo a car or you supercharge a car like yeah, you're sticking a lot more air in there. Your air make, fuel you're making be, more power, but your air fuel ratio has yeah, to be the same. Your air fuel ratio does have to be same. But that's what I'm saying. It's like you're instead of doing the Harley thing where you're now at 2,000 cc's to get the same amount of horsepower, you're getting more horsepower of the same 999. And now they're, they yeah, they, but it, I still feel like that's apples and oranges because if you, I don't even know. I know you measure it in CFM, right? For volume. But we'll say that, like, we'll say a 2,000cc Harley, just to keep all your numbers the same, would go through, how would I even measure that? I want to say gallons of air, which you Uh, could measure air in gallons. Yeah, you could. But say for... But CFM is, like, really a good good measurement. Yeah, but what is actually CFM even? It's uh, cubic feet for a minute, right? Okay, yeah. So that would be your measurement. So it'd be a cubic foot. So say a 2,000 cc, and we'd, we'll even keep the RPMs the same just to keep numbers the same. So my 2,000 cc motor is turning 
500 or we'll say 5,000 RPM and it's running to make up arbitrary, totally off the cusp numbers, a hundred CFM, right? A hundred cubic feet of air a minute, which would probably be way more than that. If you have your thousand CC, but you're forcing more air into it at the same RPM, you're still going to be running, even though it's half the CCs, you would still be running that same 100 CFM. So like, and with that, you're still going to be using the same amount of fuel. So yeah, you're getting more power out of a smaller motor. For us gearhead people, that's fucking great. Because then what I can do is I can force induct my 2000cc fucking motor and I can get even more power out of it. So we're all blowing tires off and fucking, (laughs) you know, we're all drifting out of neighborhoods, smoking tires on our Harleys and popping wheelies. But that's really irrelevant to commuting and gas mileage and efficiency. Yeah. Like Cowie did it to be like, Hey, we want to go 300 mile an hour, 300, kilometer, well, 300 kilometers an hour. Right? The thing is now they have the H two SX though. Th- that's what I'm saying. They, they did it, I think to, to get the same horsepower out of that motor so that now they can have a much cheaper sport touring bike. And, and the H2 and the H2R were like, they're massive, expensive, like, yeah. Sh- shows so they off. basically took the same motor, detuned it a little. Yeah. And it's been and around since I mean, 14 or 15. So they've had it for a few years to work on yeah. now. And now they're like, look, now we're going to use this supercharged motor in a regular street bike in order to not, because Japan, I think right now is also having another increase on taxes for displacement size. So you don't want to get a bigger bike. Yeah. I mean, get. well, and that's a... Separate subject, I think. Yeah. So, you you, know, I mean, that's why Japan has so many badass 400cc bikes. Right. Because that's like their big tax um, (laughs) level break. But it's like, you know, my my GTI is like a perfect example. Like, it's a two liter four cylinder, it gets a gas mileage, it gets 30 mile gallon when I'm lucky, right? If I keep my foot out of it. So, like, it's badass because it doesn't weigh a lot and it's compact. And it still makes over 200 horse. But to get 200 horse, I have to use gasoline. Yeah. A lot of it. Yeah. So, you know. But you don't need a 5.0 in there to do it. No, but, I mean, if I had a 5.0 that was only making 200 horse, it could probably get about the same gas. The car would probably still get about the same gas mileage, though. But you'd have a huge motor for that reason. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you just, you have to compare apples to apples. So, maybe my... um, my little comparisons make sense to people. And maybe they're like, this guy's a fucking idiot. What is he talking about right now? <laughs> I like it. I really like it. Well, hey, let's take a quick break. I want to come back with the game uh, in a second. All right, everybody. Current events coming up this month. Don't forget, uh, coming up real soon, actually, we got... Um, the Venice Vintage Motorcycle Rally. It's the eleventh uh, one. You can come on down. Uh, win a fiftieth anniversary tribute CB750. It's going to be Saturday, September twenty second, eleven a.m. to six p.m. You can meet them on Dell Avenue. They're going to do a PCH ride. Uh, meet up at nine a.m. Kickstands up at ten a.m. and they're going to ride around and go on Instagram. Check out VVMC. Check out Lucky Wheels. I know a lot of people are posting it because it's always uh, a big event that draws lots of crowds every year. And they usually have a really cool. Uh, I mean, the the rally itself, just meeting points and stuff, is super, super, super fun. Uh, September fifteenth is that tomorrow? 
Is that when the vintage, vintage, yeah, vintage, yeah, blah 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 blah. That's yeah. when that happens. That uh, will be tomorrow. SoCal Hooligans, old school style speedway no, races. Fifteenth, fifteenth was last weekend. Last weekend, I hope you enjoyed the old school races. <laughs> oh yeah, what's today? Yeah, what the hell? Today's the eighteenth, so it'd be the twentieth when this comes yeah, out. Yeah, let me twenty-first. Uh, let me go ahead and twenty-first. It'll be the twenty-first when this comes out. Tell you that I really hope you had a good time there <laughs> at the vintage. <laughs> well, geez, hey, coming up Saturday, September twenty-second. That's coming up, right? That is coming up. The second that'll be tomorrow. The second annual Mason Farrell Memorial Race is happening at the Mason Dixon Fairgrounds, uh, sixty-nine eighty-eight Delta Road in Delta, Pennsylvania. Ten dollars admission, six and under free. You can buy a ticket for There's the whole a fairgrounds seat, called the Mason Dixon Fairgrounds, and it's in I, Pennsylvania. I bet it's right on the Mason Dixon line. I thought the Mason-Dixon line was further south than Pennsylvania. And it runs from Baltimore east. I'm sure it probably runs through Pennsylvania. Oh, it, okay. it probably runs right through this fairground. <laughs> so Shows how much I know about it. Uh, also, Saturday, September 8th. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, um, coming up, uh, the spooktacular classic track days happening at Willow Springs, put on by uh, Dirty Talker Brady Walker. Um, that's happening Sunday, October 21st at Big Willow. Uh, there's going to be armor racers, uh, vintage street bikes, air-cooled modern classics, and never, anybody that's new to the track, you can even take your monster out there from what I hear. And if you are new and want a laid-back track experience, it is a great one. Yeah, and it's not too not too shabby. And if you're into um, bikes that don't all look alike covered in plastic, oh, it's yeah. also great. Yeah, for sure. And it's $150 if you hurry up and pre-order, so do that. What track um, is it on? Uh, the big track, big willow, baby. So you get all the that big trying long- to get a Buell XB12 by then and good to go. All right, had a combo at work today. Oh, I thought you were gonna say rider share. Thank you. <laughs> uh, also, Can we pull that off. Can yeah, we do that? also, if you do that, I don't know. Save the date. Uh, I think they got you covered. Save the date for uh, Saturday, October 27th, uh, 2018, organized by Orange Coast Harley Owners Group and Staging up at Orange County, Harley-Davidson, it's going to be the uh, I-War ride, the Injured Warrior Appreciation Run. They're going to ride down from Irvine down into, I believe he said San Diego when we talked to him. If you go back a couple episodes and listen to the Lion Air Museum, that's on there. Uh, WSIR, the uh, Streets of Willow. Uh, track Experience Track Days is having uh, a meetup there on October 6th and 7th. And I guess I could tell you about the one at Chuck Walla Valley that's happening September 21st and 23rd. That's going to be a lot of fun. Also, Tra- Track okay. Experience Track Days, they were uh, the ones that were put on the track day that I first went with you to Willow Springs. Yeah, that when was we track were experience. Getting down. Yeah, that was um, pretty fun. October 7th is the Halloween Hill Climb by Helen Wheels at Glen Helen Raceway. Um, if you're lucky, you'll see Trusty with a dirt bike tires on her. <laughs> that that'd be pretty awesome, and uh, yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. I plan on going this year if I can pull it off. I'm trying to remember what else is going on in October. There's a lot of stuff going on in October. Yeah, actually, there is. Uh, September 29th, there's this thing called the Hooligan Hoedown Number Seven happening in Bandit Town, USA, put on by Iron and Resin. I have no idea where that is. Why don't you go to a much better? hooligan yeah. not hoedown the hooligan camp out at el mirage i should have called it a hoedown just to piss them off like, yeah you guys are gonna steal our hooligan i'm gonna steal your hoedown. <laughs> yeah so literally a bunch been. of a bunch of hooligans out at el mirage uh bring some food bring some beer and bring a bike 
Because the only thing that's going to be covered is good looks in the firewood. <laughs> right? Am I right, Wiggs? Am yeah. I right? Well, maybe good looks if someone else shows up. <laughs> right. But, and it's open to anyone. Yeah. It's not like it's it's meant to be the hooligans, but, um, you know, it's really open to anyone. Anyone that wants to go out and have a good time at the lake and, and ride motorcycles and... Yeah, yeah. We're, we're flat trackers, so I'm trying not to ride in the hills. I'm trying to ride on the lake. Nice. Oh, yeah, or bring your hill bike if you want to do that. Hey, there hill, are hills there, but yeah, I'm not bike. going riding with you on that. Yeah. <laughs> September 30th is the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride, and uh, thank you for the wonderful pledges. Uh, somebody d- donated. Did, did you get your bow tie? I yeah, I got it tattooed right on right on my neck. You can see it here. Um, also Saturday, September 29th, um, the Pasadena Motorcycle Club, which is one of the oldest motorcycle clubs in the United States, I believe, uh, is having a poker run. Uh, they're meeting up at 8:30 at Juice in Atwater Village, which is a steroid uh, pl- steroid store. No, I don't know. It's probably a juice store. I'm guessing. <laughs> You know how LAers love to juice. Uh, get your wheatgrass shot. Yeah, he means like wheatgrass juice. Yeah, like not... wheatgrass juice. Yeah. Like the first one is the funny one, but he was serious about the juice. Yeah. So juice and at, at Water Village, you can uh, go and get a wheatgrass shot along with the, uh, a kelp chaser. Kickstand's up at 9 a.m. and they're going to ride all over the twisties from what I heard. So that ought to be a lot of fun. And last thing I have on my list what is, day is that? that's the 29th so do okay. that in the morning meet Wiggins out at the camp out at night and then have a lot of fun on on uh, Sunday peeling around the lake bed how's that sure and then, I'm mostly peeling around there on Saturday yeah do it do do your all your dumb rides on Saturday but get out to El Mirage afterwards <laughs> and then October 26th through 28th is the Northwoods 5 I saw that on Forever 2 Wheel Company Instagram that looks, ride I think yeah that looks like mm-hmm. a lot of fun it looks it like does. camp out and ride and beer festival Tommy could probably find me a bike to borrow and I'm like I so suck on dirt bikes yeah I, mean, I haven't ridden a dirt bike in and like dirt bikes like, years. they get beat up I'd hate to like borrow someone's dirt bike. Yeah, and just fucking smash it in logs and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Your bash plate has been properly bashed today. Yeah, yeah that would be a lot of fun to, to get. I haven't been dirt bike riding in God. It seems like a hundred years. I know the last dirt bike I rode had a name and a mane and four hooves. So that'd be fun to get back out on a dirt bike. I think I have one more. If it's not too far in the future, let's do it. November third. The hooligan shootout at Paris Flat Track. Bam. 2018 shootout. Um, yeah, that's really about all the details right now. But <laughs> Stay you know, tuned. I, well, I'm trying to get the track on Sunday for practice, but um, I need the sponsors to pay for it. Nice. Um, so it's, it's TBA right now, but yeah. stay tuned. But the race itself is going to be good. We got a few sponsors for some gear. Um, as long as we get riders, man, it'll be a good event. And honestly... You know, the shootout's meant to be the biggest race yeah. for, for SoCal Hooligans for the year. So we'll um already promoting it quite a bit, but once the, the camp out's over, we'll start promoting a little more. And, nice. And it's got... Once you find out who survived the camp out. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's got uh, four hooligan classes. Um, if our friends at Lucky Wheels listen, which I actually already filled them in, there's a hand shifter class. Nice. Um, a street class. So if you have anything 750 or larger, and if you show up on a CBR 600 or something, I'd probably still let you ride. Um, but probably still. Close enough. That means, yeah. yeah. Um you know, if, if you know, maybe Spamala. 
I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I could. I could. My. We could probably put her in a hooligan. Hold class. my own against a, a six fifty on Spamala or an eight eight three. Like you said, it's a. It's on dirt, right? Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, so I'll have a street class, which you have to run DOT tires. And for all the smart asses out there, the Shinkos are no good. Um, which is cool. If you show up with Shinko DOT flat track tires, you can race the half throttle class. So it's not a big deal. You just can't race a street class. Yeah. Um, You're talking street tires, right? They have to be street tires. Yes. Sweet. And K180s and Shinkos are not good. Yeah. It can't be no 86. Yeah, don't shit. try to. Yeah, don't pull this. Well, they're DOT tires bullshit, which is totally fine. You can pull whatever you're going to pull. We're just not going to put you in that class. We're yeah. going to move you to the other class. Um, and then there's the half throttle class, which um, is surprisingly popular with um, new guys, slow guys, and sandbaggers. Um, <laughs> I, for the most part, let the riders pick too. But there are some riders where I'm like, no, you're going to run the fast class. Yeah. So, but usually the guy, I mean, Again, like it's not like there's money on the line for either class or anything. So everyone's yeah. like, "Oh, okay, yeah, that's cool." Um, and then we're gonna do the the WFO class, um, which are just the regular fast guys, yeah. whatever. I just want stupid names for it. So that's November seventh, third, November third, Paris flat track. Paris flat track. What time do we need, need to start showing up and get tech and all that stuff? Uh, if you're gonna race, you need to be there about two. Yeah. Alrighty. And then uh, much much before that, spooky spokes. But we'll talk about that another time. All right, let's get back to the show. I love when my dog dances with me. She jumps around and I see a flea and I pick it off and I make a sandwich. What else can I rhyme with sandwich? All right, we're back. We're right on time, right on schedule. I want to play a game tonight. And thanks to a local radio show, I stole their... uh, I stole their little game. Uh, but I, it's actually I, one of my favorite morning shows. An, an interesting tidbit about them. You know where the three main people are from, right? Terre Haute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I uh, think Frank was born there. Heidi's from somewhere around there. And um, who's the Frosty, he was from, I think, Evansville or Southern Indiana, but I think he went to college in Terre Haute. And his grandparents lived in Terre Haute. Because I listen to, they talk about it all the time. Yeah. Together, they're a hope mess. Oh, man. <laughs> Dad joke. Most, uh, most people from Terre Haute are. <laughs> so that's what I've heard. It gets pretty hope there in summers from what I hear. Uh, <laughs> enough cheesy jokes. So I got a few headlines here, and uh, I want to tell you a couple, and I want you to tell me which one is absolutely not true. And I think theirs is probably copyrighted, so I can't use the name of their game. But let's just say, which headline's fake? And uh, I'm going to give you them right now, and I want you to tell me which headline is fake. Feel free to play along at home. I don't have a pencil to mark these off, so I'll just do it in my head, because I'm that smart and that capable. I tell myself that every morning when I fall out of bed. Okay, first headline. Is this true or false? Zero is the first electric motorcycle manufacturer to be listed on the GSA. What's the GSA? The GSA is uh, basically it's a list. I think it's the General Standards of Administration or something. It's a list where like federal, federal, state, and like local municipalities can go on this list and say, "Aha!" Like Ford offers vehicles, Chevy fleet, fleet vehicles. Okay, so that's number one. Okay. I'm going to read them all off and then you tell me which one's fake. Okay. And if you think that one's fake already, you can just tell me. Is it? Only one's real. You can't say the name of it. (laughs) 
No, no, the only one's fake. You got to get the fake, fake one out. Oh yeah, that's right. It is only one's fake. Okay. All right. Number two, BMW has a self-driving motorcycle. True or not true? Uh, headline and play along at home. If you just listen, if you're just tuning in, you might get this one wrong. Because <laughs> like people download a podcast, are like, let's go halfway and yeah. tune in in the middle somewhere. Oh, I had to go to the dig a huge dump, and I came back uh, an hour and a half in. Uh, headline number three: BRP, which is Can Am, basically uh, has introduced a new Can Am called the Riker. Uh, headline number four. Honda decides to upgrade the Interceptor VTEC from 782 cc's to 998 cc's. Speaking of our, if you were not around for the Wait, first was half the, show. was the Interceptor, the VFR, was it back? The VFR is the Interceptor, yeah. Well, yeah, but they, they went to the 1200, they killed the 800, went to the 1200, but the 1200 kind of sucked and no one wanted it. <laughs> So do they come back with a 800? Well, they have, yeah, they have an interceptor. If we go on their website, you'll okay. see it. And um, finally, the last headline, Fox Shocks launches a new long-haul suspension for semi-tractors. Is it called the the rusty long-haul? <laughs> right. So which one of these is fake? Zero is the first electric motorcycle company in the world to be listed on the GSA, which is a list for administrative municipality fleet vehicles uh bmw has a self-driving motorcycle um brp introduces some weird new can-am uh honda decides to upgrade do an engine bump along with everyone else or fox launches a new long-haul suspension for semi-tractors which i want to say fox but i also want to say that's so fucking (laughs) doesn't make sense that it's probably real Um, I really see Honda doing it a VFR 1000. Nothing out of the ordinary about that. Um, hopefully it looks cool. I kind of like the 800, the old 800, but uh, they were, I don't know. They could have been better. <laughs> better than... I say that about a lot of bikes, though. Um, I could totally believe that Zero is the first one to like list an electric bike because they're really the only one that's had much street legal that's been affordable. And the municipality stuff is like, or fleet vehicles is like police cars, fire trucks, shit like that. So I could see for police motorcycles, especially for the ones that where they write tickets. Oh yeah. <laughs> so they're just going around writing tickets on their little zero. They don't um, need to, yeah. They don't need to get on the freeway and do like a chase. Let's see. What was the other one? What was the second one? Uh, oh, BMW. Yeah. We already said that was good at the beginning. Yeah. So then there was one more, the third one. There's Can-Am. It's called the Riker? Yeah. That sounds real familiar, though. You sure there's not already a motorcycle out there called the Riker? The Yamaha Striker and Raider. Maybe you're putting Raider and Striker together. I um, and I also wouldn't be surprised if BRP came out with a motorcycle with a stupid name. <laughs> so, <laughs> man, I got to go with Fox making shocks for... Long haul truckers like semi trucks. Yeah. Like tractor trailer rigs. There ain't no fucking nothing <laughs> like Fox. Like Fox is a performance shock company and semi trucks want some shocks are going to last a long time. I got to, that's my fake one. Yeah. And you, and you could never see Tor from CC going around in the long haul, promoting the long haul. Oh, yeah. I could with that mustache and his stupid hats. Yeah. Oh, yeah I say stu- stupid hats. I like his hats. But nevertheless, um, yeah, I don't. 
or Rusty Butcher. Yeah. Because, see, they're not, like... Was I wrong? I'm sorry. That one's real. Fox oh, is launching. So my first... Long-haul shocks for truckers. Long-haul, not long-travel. No, they're called long-haul... Yeah, long-haul suspension for semis. Performance suspension for semis, baby. Yeah, so it can now hang you, the corners better. When now you can jump the... Now that Bandit and Snowman are gone from this earth, you, you can <laughs> jump your rig. I guess. <laughs> Playing eastbound and down on your 8-track. So do I got to keep picking then? Sure. And everyone play at home if you want to do it. So hmm. remaining, we have Zero on the GSA, BMW with a self-driving moto. You want to go ahead and we'll just cross that one yeah, off? Yeah, that was definitely we, real because we, we already that. talked about it. Um uh, BR, BRP with the Riker, Honda with the Interceptor upgrade. Man, <laughs> you know what I kind of want to say <laughs> is Honda's the fake one because they're not smart enough to upgrade the fucking VFR. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be like, well, you know what? We should make it a single sided swing arm, ugly 1200 piece of shit that had sex with a ST 1300. <laughs> So is that your guess, the Honda? Is your next guess? You only have four more to go. I know, right? I just want to... Really? That's the fake one? That's the fake one. Yeah, I was right then. They're not smart enough to make a cool cool 1,000 VFR. Yeah, the last Interceptor was 2015. And although they filed VIN, they filed recent... So I was right. They they haven't came back out with an 800 then Uh, either. uh, Okay. uh, uh. Okay. Yeah, the VFR 800 was the last one in 2015. See, I like... I, I knew... The this goes for a lot of you. motorcycle companies too. <laughs> <laughs> the V Rod. <laughs> um, you know when you um, when some fucking stupid bean counters come up with an idea to morph two pretty decent bikes into one shitty fucking no one wants it god awful monstrosity. If you're a child, please turn off the podcast. Yeah, this right podcast now. is not for children. <laughs> And um, it's a big flop because the people that buy your motorcycles aren't stupid fucking idiots. Um, You don't decide to be like, well, um, that sucked and this is why it sucked. So you just quit making it because it sucked and it didn't sell. But the reason it didn't sell is because it sucked. It did take Harley 10 fucking years to figure out the V-Rod sucked. (laughs) And I've expressed on the show before, I really think the V-Rod had a badass motor in it and it was... For Harley ahead of its time, it was sixteen hundred, right? It was, it, was 13, a, it was a thirteen hundred, oh, but right. it made more power than everything else. Yeah, they but, were, they're definitely pretty. Some pretty cool custom ones that I had seen that actually looked like pretty cool. Yeah, when know? they didn't look anything like a V ride anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a marketing poor marketing on Harley's side, or no, it was an ugly bike on Harley's side. The regular V-Rod. You know what? I say that. It actually, I think it did really well in some European countries in Australia. Yeah. Because those, in the Philippines, because those motherfuckers love ugly bikes. I got to say the Destroyer looked pretty badass. No. You don't think so? Well, yeah, because it was just a race bike. Yeah. I don't even think those were street legal, were they? No. They were you, still ugly, but I saw that you Harley, put a slick on anything and it looks badass. I saw that Harley Davidson sold one off-road bike last year. And I was like, what could it have been? It must have been a destroyer. They must have, do they still sell those? I don't think so. Ah, I wasn't sure. I was like, one off road bike. What the hell could Maybe it be? Maybe they sold one uh, G750R. Oh. Oh. No, no there I, don't, you go. I don't believe they did. Yeah. They don't, as far as I know, those are not for sale. Yeah. 
but everyone's mad at Indian because they have a race motor <laughs> in a now production motorcycle. Whatever. Um, yeah, man, the VFR was such a cool bike for such a long time, and it wasn't. It was never a amazing sell a bunch bike. But it was also a bike that they didn't change but every fucking 10 years. Speaking of, look at this ugly fucking 750 behind us <laughs> that with a few, visual, you? a few visual tweaks is still a badass bike. And it's a 96, 97? 97, yeah. That was the last gen of that uh, style too. Yeah, it's a VFR 750 for those people who are listening. Yeah, that- And honestly, in 97, that fucking NR750 inspired headlight was pretty badass. Um, I like that better than the previous version uh, ones that were kind of weird, like big, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And then the 800s were a little too angular for their time. Actually, you know what only sucked about them is the big-ass, ugly tail section. And the VFR is a fucking touring bike. It should have a big-ass, ugly tail section because there's going to be a lot of big-ass, ugly people that want a big seat to sit on. Mm-hmm. I have to say that I'm kind of including myself in that, but <laughs> uh, I do like that they. It, the interesting thing to me was that the eight. This is the cam driven, uh, chain driven. This is the cam or gear driven. Gear, yeah, cam driven. Of course, this is cam driven. <laughs> gear driven cams, and uh, it was one of the last years. The other ones were uh, chain driven, and there was a couple gens before this, like the. Gen right before this was chain driven too. You know, it's actually weird that this one was gear driven. The only bike really to my knowledge that was, well, Harley's, but the cams in the bottom end, um, that were gear driver RC 51. And that was, I mean, it got an RC designation. It was kind of a race bike where even the super Hawk was a chain drive cam and it was almost the same motor as an RC 51. Um, these are RC 36s by the way. So are they called an RC? Yeah. Maybe there's something in there. Like if you look at the engine designation in the VIN, it's RC 36. So yeah, there may be something in there, but that's weird because when this came out, there was a legit RC, the RC 45 was out, which was a 750 V four. Yeah. So, and then the 850 went away from cam driven. They, uh, I think maybe the first, but that's what I mean. The, gen, and the gear drives the higher maintenance and they went to VTEC uh, yeah. on the, but their VTEC worked different than the car. I think probably the car changed timing or something. Yeah. There's a difference between VVT and V actual VTEC. VTEC is actually like electronic m- manipulation. VTEC is oil. VTEC is electric. The E in VTEC is for electronic control. Mm. So yeah, well, one of these days it's I, like I a pan on your camshaft yeah. with oil pressure. Exactly. Yeah. The, kind of. There's two. There are. You can do oil a spool. For you listeners, I'm doing the sexy <laughs> finger and <laughs> <in> the <laughs> other finger hole thing. Yeah, you yeah. can actually do like an oil spool. You can do it that way. Uh, that's. I v- think that's VVT how like, is uh, like a lot that way. The RSX and stuff were done. Yeah. All they know is they might have never just, driven a Honda into VTEC. It's it's kind of badass. Yeah, I was it's, reading all about it today because I really, you know, my friend had a VTEC Civic back in the day. I didn't really know how VTEC worked. Yeah, I, I knew what VTEC was, but it's interesting principle. I how, thought it was how this still an worked. oil pressure thing. Uh, that was the, I, think I watched VVT on, on Donut Meat. Well, VVT is a Toyota, right? Well, it just means variable valve timing. Yeah, but a lot of those are. Um, 
copyrighted, patented. Oh, word. right. I see. What so, you're like, VTech might have been the first, and Toyota might have done, they could have done the exact same thing or very similar. They couldn't do exact until patents are up, but they couldn't call it a VTech because of copyright stuff. Yeah. Donut Media has a um, science garage on VTech. Yeah, I lo- I've been watching that every night, falling asleep I to it, told actually. told you, it's good stuff. And what do you think about the Can Am Riker? What, this extant, it is a. Uh, God, why did I know it have too many wheels on it? <laughs> Was a can am, bro. I just saw a spider going down the street, and I was like, "Man, that thing is." It so looks huge. more like a quad than a spider, which mm-hmm. I kind of like. Um, you know what? It, it reminds me is if you took what's a, up with the bobber rear fender. That's what I was just gonna say. If you took a spider and made it a bobber, because this thing, the seat hangs out in the air above it. I think that's probably what reminds you of a quad, huh? Is no, it the, I was thinking the front end, oh. just the way the wheels are kind of like separate yeah. from everything. Yeah, but I don't know. I think. <sighs> It, I think Why was, are you going to take such a small percentage of the market <laughs> and spend money to develop something that's Dude, no better than what's out there? Because they have to compete with the Yamaha Nikon when it comes out. No, the Nikon's in a totally new realm of the market that I hope doesn't even exist. <laughs> but the Can-Am Spider, like, it's in this part of market of people who don't ride, who don't want to know how to ride, or the people who should be buying it are 80 years of plus. Mm-hmm. Or injured, whatever. Yeah. There's, there's definitely those. But I would buy that over a regular trike. No offense, $50,000 fucking Harley trike. But um, the FLH tug? Yeah, the, the <laughs> Can Am Spiders are kind of badass. And you can get them with the bags on them too. Like they have the touring version. That thing's like a stripped down version. Like, yeah. Let's take something that's big and slow and wide, and I can't really carve canyons, but I can't really lane split, but I can't really do anything that a motorcycle does. And strip it down and try and make it faster but it's still going to be slow i i I just don't yeah i don't get thinking behind that like the spider's thinking is no one else does this we should do it yeah their thinking is like hey half a percent of the market buys these things let's try and take half of that half percent or even less. But you know what? The crazy thing is, is that I was thinking maybe with the Triumph Bobber. I'm like on a weird rant today of this negative everything. Yeah, let's do it, man. <laughs> let's get, we, we still have a half hour to go for uh, another rant if you're up for it. But I'm thinking they see the Triumph Bobber, the Indian Scout Bobber, the Street Bob, and they're like, everybody's bobbing something nowadays. And so they're going to make the. That's just what they're like trying with like. And then they see. They're trying to be like stylish. Yeah. But I, I just like. I'm like Yamaha Nikon, Can-Am Riker. Like they sound uh, similar too. I think they're trying to steal some of that too. I think whoever decided they should try and steal some of that should probably just get fired because they <laughs> pay them too much to waste that much money. <laughs> well, hey, that was our that was our headlines. All of them, all of them real. And uh, congratulations to Zero for being the first. Except one. for except for the one that should be real. Yeah, all of them real except fake. for. The interceptor, but like I said, I've seen VIN filings. Even though they haven't, if you go, it is, still, and I wasn't lying. It is on their website. If you go into Honda, it still says the VFR eight hundred. You can still see bikes back to t- two thousand twelve. Mm. I like that Shadow RS I was showing you, the red, white, and blue one. That was a two thousand twelve. So they still have old bikes listed on there, but it'll sh- only. It'll I mean, that's say- kind of the cool like thing with that bike is, I mean, a VFR eight hundred. Barring emission standards, but knowing Honda, it probably would still pass. Oh, yeah. But 
barring emissions changing or getting tighter or more restrictive, like that bike still doesn't need an update. Honda could fire up all the old tooling from oh, the VFR 800 and it's still a bike that is relevant yeah. in its category. Yeah. And it's still a damn good motorcycle for a lot of people who don't even know it's a good motorcycle. If you put it against a lot of other sports It's one terrains. of those bikes where I was like, if I just had money to buy another bike, it would be on a list of... Yeah. You know, because I'm also one of those guys that have fucking 20 bikes. But I don't like, <laughs> the reason I don't have one is because I'm also an idiot and I would rather go buy an RC51 to take to the track than a VFR that I could ride every day, which I'm riding every day. But it's. I don't know what happened, but we're back. The power, the power cable was coming unplugged. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, if you're going to ride to work, a lot, which is what the guy with this VFR 700 does. Um, or if Every you're going to go... Right behind my office. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to ride through the canyons, if you want to like take up and ride cross country, there's a lot of bags that fit on them. They're very reliable. You can go hit canyons. Like You can go track them. They're a trackable bike. Like They're a really, really nice sport touring all-around bike. Yeah, for and sure. I really like the way it feels. I'm, I'm very grateful to... Uh, Paul for for let me borrow this thing for so long he hasn't he said is it in your way and I'm like it's not really in the way I mean it's not in and the he's way. like good it's not in my way either yeah right <laughs> I know that, that's how I feel like he is but at the same time it's kind of funny it's like yeah. uh, I wonder how much he's going to charge me in back fees when I, <laughs> I return it to him <laughs> but um he's like what you didn't pay to update the registration yeah for real uh so yeah let's take a another quick break and then come back Wiggs has a has a rant he wants to oh I on. do a little bit yeah. all right Let's do this. It was rotten and gross. Was it even meat? It smelled worse than oak. Hey there, listeners. This is Patreon subscriber Narissa coming to you from inside my helmet in the land of beer and cheese, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You're listening to the Creative Writing Podcast because you're obviously ridiculously good looking. They did way, way back in the day. I thought it, that's why I no. thought it was an old one. Yeah, 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 I think they did. Is that his Instagram handle? No, no, it's an icon bike, magnificent bastard. Uh, yeah, I swear it was a thousand, but I could be wrong. So hey, we're back, and uh, Wiggs has a little rant he wants to talk about this week. Wiggs, you're in a negative mood tonight, and I love it. Let's call this show. <laughs> let's call the show. You suck. <laughs> Welcome so, to episode. You suck. Just some some tidbits on some stuff I've learned. We talk a lot about racing on the show, um, and we talk even more about hooligan racing. And hooligan racing is kind of weird in the fact that it's a bunch of fucking retarded fat dudes who work full time, but and who like aren't that fast and aren't really that talented and aren't really a lot of things except hey. And can I say, being somebody that used to work in that. Uh, industry also not retarded (laughs) (laughs) um we just like it just got like popular so quick so what's happening is there's a lot of people who want to oh hey look i'm a part-time motorcycle mechanic or a full-time motorcycle mechanic i'm going to throw together a sportster or this goes for dealerships too um and then I know this kid over here, whether he's a pro flat tracker, pro motocrosser, or just a dirt bag that can ride, um, I'm going to throw him on my bike. So what I'm seeing a lot of is this like owner rider thing, 
but again, at an amateur level and another really cool thing actually about hooligan racing is I would say over half of the riders never raced anything before in their life. And then of the guys that have raced anything before, never raced flat track before in their life. Yeah. Um, I tried flat track once and I sucked really bad at it. Um, but what people aren't understanding when they're doing this, this is for the riders and the owners. You really, if that's something you're going to go into, and I still deal with it sometimes with Speed Merchant, and where I where I get away with it is it's my motorcycle, and I take my responsibility for my bike. If it needs anything, whatever, I'm always responsible. So to me, if Speed Merchant buys me a new carburetor or helps me rebuild the motor, whatever, whether it's financially or just me taking it out of the shop and him helping me put it back together, um, that's like a bonus, right? And we dealt with this with, um, I think our only former writer, but one of our former writers. Um, and I see this, um, with other people as well. So if that's something you want to do, if you, if you have a bike and you want someone to ride it, or if you're a rider and someone's like, Hey, would you come ride my bike? You really, really, really need to establish who's going to do what and to what level. Um, one of the problems that we run into with the speed merchant thing, and it's really not a problem because this particular rider, it's kind of a bummer to me sometimes, but he doesn't care about like, I should upgrade this on my bike because I'm getting better and this part should get better or whatever. He's like, well, it's not my bike. So if, if you're a rider and you're, you're riding someone's machine, however they have it set up needs to be good enough for you or if you're going to spend money on it you need to understand that you're probably losing that like if something happens when if and when a breakup happens like you're going to lose your hoodie to her okay like just fucking deal with it you're not going to ask your girl for the hoodie back it's her fucking hoodie right so that's it if you you know if you're like oh dude i want to put our six forks on this bike and the guy's like man, these sporty forks, like this, I don't really want to spend more money on the bike and you buy some R6 forks to put on it. Um, good luck getting them back. You just fucking ate your money. Yeah. Like, sorry. But at the same time, like if you're going to go racing and that's what you, you know, you want to upgrade that and that's what you want to go racing, like it's a good investment. You yeah. know, it's, it is what it is. And, but I see a lot of like where, you know, one recent case, you know, there was the guy that kind of owned the bike and stuff and he got some done on it by someone else and they kind of fucked up the electronics. And then um, they didn't know that this was a problem and it was all kind of last minute. The bike got shipped to fucking Minneapolis and then it gets there and it doesn't run. Hmm. So there's plane tickets and hotels and oh, all this stuff yeah. involved. Lots of costs. It was a loss because of some last minute rush and it's like you know the rider was upset because he had spent i don't know if he spent the money and stuff to get there or not but he was upset because he's there he wants to fucking ride like as a racer and a rider like that's just what you want to do um it wasn't even his fault so he's like kind of mad and and then the other guy's kind of mad that he's mad and it's like tensions are kind of high um you know so there's definitely like that side of it you know i've seen a lot of you know, a guy gets a bike from someone and fucking wads it up. And then he's like, Hey, um, so this bike's crashed. What do we do? <laughs> you know? So, you know, if it's, 
you know, if you want to build a bike, if you're looking at a sports and like, oh, I can build a bike up for this much money and I'm going to have my buddy ride it. You know, you and your buddy both need to understand that shit happens on a racetrack. So, and shit happens, you know, we're riding these things a lot harder than they were meant to be ridden. We're revving them, not necessarily harder, like my rev limiter set at a stock rev limiter, but I'm up close to the rev limiter very often where, you know, it, most sportsters don't live up there. Yeah, yeah. Like mine revs five to seven thousand RPM uh, all the least, time. Yeah, at least maintenance and all that's going to be a lot. Yeah. Than so it, you know, both people need to understand that, and that's always a good, um, you know. So accidents happen. Um, one thing we see a lot in hooligan racing is you get a talented rider on a bike that weighs three times as much as anything as he's ever touched before. And he gets spanked by a fucking fat dude with long hair that looks like he shouldn't be fast. Um, Hooligan Jesus. And they, they override the bikes and they fucking wad them. You know, these bikes are heavy. They don't have the steering angle of most bikes. They don't have that good a suspension and they'll spit you. Um, and when they hit, they hit harder. There's a lot more weight being thrown around. So stuff gets kind of beat up on them. And, you know, it's so if I build a bike and I, I have this guy I know come ride it because he's a more talented rider or I'm old or I just own a dealership or whatever. Well, when he wads it, what are we going to do? You know, is it his responsibility? Is it my responsibility? It's my bike. If I want it back out on the track, I need to fix it. But he crashed it. If he wants to go back out and ride again, he needs to fix it. Um, or in some cases, he just drops him off and goes and builds his own bike. Um, but I, I think, and at a pro level, this stuff changes a lot. Obviously there's way more money involved. There's way more organization involved and you're dealing with these writers who are professionals and who are basically your employee, you know? And, and I think most pro team people, at least that stick around longer than a season understand that, you know, that's, that's racing. And I, if I want a, a race program, but I think in the hooligan stuff, it's all popped up so quick and we're getting so many people that aren't racers that they don't think about a lot of those and they don't understand a lot of that stuff, um, for both the riders and for the, the wrenches and the owners. Yeah. You kind of go in thinking you're not going to cry, like everything's going to go perfect. And then you start racing and racing is racing, no matter, and, you know, and a lot of times too, you put a guy on a bike and I don't agree with a lot of riders when they think they need better parts or need more horsepower. A lot of times I'm like, you need to just fucking ride your bike. Um, and that goes for so much racing, whether it's cars, whether it's bikes. I think it's more prevalent in bikes in that, no, you don't need it. Like, if I go to the track in my GTI, okay, it's not that quick of a car. I'd still have a lot to learn, but I could go a few times and I could be like, okay. Or my, my Ducati is actually a better example. Um you know, I took it out a few times and I was taking my Dyna in it both. And I enjoyed the Ducati more because it was more of a challenge for me. And the last time I took it out, I'm like, okay, I'm starting to reach the limits of this bike, at least me on it. I mean, you know, could, um, Rossi hop on it and totally fucking smoke. Yeah. But myself and my comfort level and feeling the bike move around and stuff, I'm like, okay, the suspension's starting to get to the limit of the adjustment. Um, Stuff like that. The geometry, because it's a monster, is starting to be a little limited, right? Um, so as a racer, as the rider, they're going to want better equipment. They're going to be like, whoa, I think if I had this, I could go out and I could beat you know, yeah. one more person or whatever. Um, and I don't totally agree, but I do agree. You know, I rode a year at least on um, Burley Stiletto shocks. Shout out to Burley. 
Um, almost everyone at the time wrote on them. <laughs> yeah, they were really, they were tall. They were like one of yeah, the top. Were, you could get them in 13 or 15 inch. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had 15s on mine. And uh, that was what we needed. They were cheap. They worked. They lifted the bike up. And honestly, we were also fucking slow at the time. We didn't know any better, you know? So my stuff now is definitely better. Um, If I had the same setup now on my bike that I did then, I don't know. Like, yeah, would it have helped me a little bit? Yes. But there's also the fact in both in auto and motorcycle that sometimes – one, you have to look at what you're doing. If you're a 10-year-old kid who's fucking out waxing everyone and you're probably going to go pro, good equipment's good. It's going to help you out in that. It's going to help you get noticed because you're going to be further in the front or whatever. Um, but I also see, um, like my buddy Jasper, you know, single dad, struggles, man, racing's expensive. Um, he never has the best equipment. You know, a lot of times he's lucky to have equipment that's running <laughs> at the weekend that he's going racing. Yeah. But where that will benefit him, and, and you see this with a lot of pro guys, depending on how they were brought up through the ranks and how they made it. And flat track, more so this way. Um, but when you look at a lot of like auto racing and stuff where they've always had good stuff because they came for money. But like a kid like Jasper, you know, this, this guy's going to be able to be fast on, especially when he gets to 450s and stuff where horsepower is not as big of an issue. You know, like, yeah, if you're running the pro class at Paris, like top five, you know, if you're hanging out in fifth on a hunk of shit and you get a nice bike, will you move up a spot or two? Yeah, not consistently. It's still racing and anyone can be beaten on any night, but he'll be able to go out on something that's so-so and ride it well. And then if he gets something better, he can ride it better. Yeah. But there's kids um, that are out there that have the best of the best of the best every time, all the time. And it's like, you know, you get to a level of racing where maybe your parents are out of money and you don't have sponsors or whatever, and you have lackluster equipment. Those kids don't know what to do with it now. Like they don't know how to just go out and ride. You know, they, they want and expect the best. And if they don't have it, like hopping on a bike and doing well, they don't, it doesn't add up, you know? So, and they, and they probably aren't going to be the ones that they don't probably expect that they're going to be the ones to pay for, you know, especially younger kids, but yeah. And honestly, there's a lot that comes in racing with paying for your own stuff. You know what I mean? Like you, you gain such a respect for it, but for the hooligan stuff, a lot of us are older. A lot of us are definitely not going legit pro. I mean, a flat track pro license is easy to get, but you know, so you, by slowly upgrading or upgrading one thing at a time and not starting off on a $10,000 like fully built bike, you learn so much about yourself and about the motorcycle and about the track and you develop so much more. And then when you do have those things that are better, you know what they do and you can adjust them and you can know what the bike's going to do. And I think that's some like you know, when people just have the best stuff, they don't know. And then if you go to a track that doesn't, the bike's not hooking up, you don't know what to change. Yeah. Because you've never had anything different on the bike. It's always just worked for where you're at. Yeah. So, and you can't appreciate how much better something is or worse or see something that's supposed to be pimp. But then you're like, you don't really know that behind the scenes, people are talking crap about it, but you hear you got it with it. It's like the best thing. You don't know there's other stuff out there. Motorcycle racing, to me so much more than auto is great because you're you're on top of a machine where on the dirt horsepower is usually not that big of an issue especially for the hooligan stuff like our west coast tracks are all dg 
The largest one is quarter. They're all small tracks. You can come out on an 883 Sporty and ride the wheels off of it and be just as fast as anyone else. If you're getting beat, it's not your horsepower. Especially like Costa Mesa is a 10th mile loose track. Yeah. You know, horsepower is not going to win races there. I'm sorry. It's just not. Um, So, you know, I. You know, you know what, it, and, I, and you see guys with really, really nice stuff, and then they go ahead and get beat. Yeah, like the rider has so much more to do with it than yeah. the car. And it, you know, at a car, like yeah, the driving's obviously important. You know, being a good driver, understanding your car, like there's a lot to it. But on a motorcycle, I feel like it's so, so much more. Yeah, how many guys like roll up to the track like on a Ducati or like even like a you know, let's just say like a GSXR 1000 or like a Ninja 1000 and uh, like a ZX 10 RR. And you're like, dude, you should be on a three Ninja 300, like learning, learning the stuff. Like that's kind of like what you're saying. You can roll out there on the best of the best and this capable thing that is super capable, but at the same time, your limit is what's going to. Yeah. I like doing Brady's track days. The classic track days are fun. Plus, he put me in the fast group last time on the duck, so I feel like I'm a boss. But if I go to a regular track day, I wouldn't be in a fast group. But you go to like these track days with more modern bikes or that kind of more focus, and there's always these dudes out there on like brand new, really pimp Ducatis, and they're like, they could ride around the corner with their kickstand down, and, right? And you're just like, and you know, you got the money, cool, congratulations, but. Maybe don't buy the new V4. Maybe stick on your two-year-old V-twin Ducati and then go buy a fucking CBR 600 that's kind of roached and go to the track on that. Yeah. So you're not worried about the bike. But again, and that's like, I guess that's my perspective because when I go to the track, like that's what I'm looking for right now. I want to, the duck's kind of at the limit. I want to get an RC51, but I want one that's beat. It's still going to be hard because it's hard to take like your Eleanor to the track. Yeah. Oh yeah. But um, you know, I want one that's kind of beat so I can take the track and I can ride it to my comfort level. Yeah. You know. Um, and for you, you're going, you're hitting that level at your on your duck, and you're you're already feeling like you. And you could probably up, upgrade a few more things, but at then that. At which point does it get better for you or, you know, would it just yeah. be better to step up to another bike? Well, you know and it was, that that bike's not really, it's an okay track bike. It definitely, you know, and, and it's a super fun bike, but I was just like, I got it for the moto bars. You know, I got it to ride to work and I'm like, well, it's not what I'm doing on it. I'm tracking yeah. it. And I'm yeah. like, an RC is going to be a better track bike. Yeah. But... Then and that'll be a fun commuter bike. I mean, that'll be an awesome, fun commuter bike. Be yeah. a cool run to the roses bike. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but I don't know. There's so much to be said for, like, I think on stuff like that, like just becoming with your machine, like just riding it and and not worrying about it. You know, and I think if you're on really pretty stuff, but for where it's like relative to the hooligan stuff, I think you know guys want to go out and. They want the nicest and the latest and the fanciest. And I'm like, especially for flat track, man, that shit does not matter. (laughs) Everyone's like, oh, you have R6 forks. I do. They're totally not touched internally at all. Um, And as far as the, the owner racer 
paradigm or whatever, or like the relationship. When, like, you know, a lot of times when you're racing cars, the thing is 50-50. If there's an accident, you fix your car, they fix their car. You don't, I mean... Well, that's not even the racer owner. That's the two people on the track. And motorcycles are the same with that. Like, my accident at Paris this year wasn't my fault. Someone crashed in front of me. But... He wasn't expected to fix my bike. Like that's racing, right? Um, so then, where do you draw the line for the for somebody getting into racing that's like getting offered to get their? Well, that's you know that's an, a case by case. What I'm saying is for that, like you need to understand with like the the recent case where we had at Speed Merchant, the rider didn't understand that Speed Merchant wasn't going to fully take care of his motorcycle. And I told him like, dude, he doesn't even do that shit for me. Like he doesn't have that time. They don't have we don't have that kind of money. Like there's no funding for that. You know, and he's got a business to run. He's got bikes he's got to work on to pay bills and your that bike's not paying bills. Um you know, and he so he just didn't understand. Well, like, well, it's not my bike. And I, I get that mentality too, you know? And so, I don't know, if you've got a Sportster Hooligan bike and you taco the front end with stock sporty forks, should you be afraid to spend your money on, on some more Sportster forks? Not at all. Uh, I think that's a different thing than upgrading. And then maybe what you do is you go to them and say, hey, man, these things got trashed. I want to run our six forks or whatever. Like, what do you want to do? Do you think we should upgrade? You know, maybe um, instead of me replacing them with stock sporty forks, um, this is about what they cost. What if I put this much in and then you put a little bit in and we upgrade the whole bike? You know, but it, it some of it needs to be kind of worked out before. Um, and that's where I think a lot of the hooligan situations like that are having troubles. And people are building bikes for people to ride and then they get crashed or whatever and the rider's like well it was not my bike i don't want to fix it and the guy's like well i wasn't fucking riding it i don't want to fix it and then there's like there's kind of bad blood sometimes and there's like broken down bikes everywhere that no one wants to fix by the way if you have one of those and you really just don't want to <laughs> fix it um email me at ask wigs and um if you're not local for me to pick it up i'll pay to get that bitch shipped to me nice <laughs> i'll yeah. fix it and it's mine send the title with it yeah are there any you got any ask wigs this week or no i think we i don't think i got any yeah no one's all these listeners no bad questions yeah well that's our listeners because they are the smartest on earth (laughs) so are our patreon uh, supporters and everybody else uh hey i think we're gonna wrap up the show uh you got any cool sign-offs um nope